World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome to this episode of Creepypasta, the Creepypasta podcast. I'm your host, Jeff. I have a guest with me, and she's brought a story that was actually suggested to us. I can find out who suggested it. Uh, But please, in the meantime, welcome our guest, returning to the show yet again, Hannah Burge. Yet again, it me. That sounded uh, slightly rude, like I was trying to neg you. (laughs) Here she is again, that person none of us like. (laughs) But that's not... You're really just trying to go back on what you said on the last episode that I recorded with you, which was that the fans love me. Now you're trying to make it clear that you you do not, despite the fact that they do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this was suggested by someone in the Facebook group named Larn Hamblin. Thank you for suggesting this. I think it was yeah, someone seriously. in the Facebook group. Seriously, I usually put like an you. at sign. Did have you did you read this before, Hannah? Yes, I had. I had read it. Um and I was very happy to see it in your in your list of suggestions because it's a story that I actually enjoyed reading, read on purpose, and liked reading it. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, I know. I d- I'm not sure if you if you feel differently, but even on the on the second read, I still I still enjoyed reading it more than most of the garbage I read on here. Uh, so I listened to someone on YouTube read it for six hours. Their name is the Dark Somnium, um, and it was an okay reading. Uh, the issue is. There's uh, just a bunch of weird audio glitches in it. Like, it's mm. a 10-part recording, and there yeah. was at least uh, one part, like, one error per part of just, like, he made a mistake recording it. Like, he forgot to cut out when he stopped and started over a line, or he dubbed over one of the other actors incorrectly, and it was just, <laughs> why did you not just fix that stuff? Um, well, that's not the I've, fault of the author of the story, though. No, that's true. Um, but there were... Uh, the story overall, I thought, was... It has its strengths and its weaknesses. We'll get into it. So please tell me... Uh, you can tell your story of how you came to this uh, tale, or if you just came across it, that's fine, too. And then please tell me um, what happens in the story. Oh, boy. Oh, do we do we say what it's called yet? Oh, did we? No, it's called the left <laughs> right. It's called the left right game, and it's written by Reddit user Neon Tempo. Yeah, it's really hard to search for because it just brings up. I guess there's a Christmas game called Left Right, and also a game called Left Center Right. Never heard of either of these, but if you, you try have to, to look find up it, Left Right Game No Sleep or Left Right Games Creepy Pasta, and then you'll find it. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I physically read this with my eyes two times now, um, with my, my own two of them, and it took me a really long time, but it kind of felt like reading a book, um, <laughs> which was nice. Mostly they don't feel like that. But I also just, like, recently have read so many bad ones and not any good ones that I think my my perspective may be a little bit off. Um, but yeah, this was just something I ran across just sort of, like, linked onto another post, I think, probably a bad post. Most of them are bad, but um, yes, that's I... True. 
I started reading it and I was like, oh no, it's going to be bad again, but I guess I'll give it one full, one full part as a chance. Um, and I was engaged enough in that part to read the whole thing. Um, unfortunately, I think the ending is a big, big disappointment. Um, having yeah, read... it's a little weird. Yeah, I read ten full, like, real chapter length parts of the story, which means that my brain was invested in it. And I wanted it, and then I got to the end and I was like, oh, so you never had an explanation for any of this. It wasn't well-crafted, you're just using the audience to your advantage. That seems unfair. Um, so I guess we should talk about what it's about. Yeah, so I think it's based off of a um, type of uh, game you can play when you're bored and have access to a car, similar to I Spy or a license plate game where you take a left turn, and then you take a right turn, and you see how far you can get. Except, um, in the course of this game, if you take enough left turns and then right turns, you eventually get transported to a supernatural, magical land of wonder, where bad creepypasta things happen to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that, I, that's, that's the premise. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Um, but it, it, didn't, it didn't really feel like the same sort of, you know, oh, a hyper-realistic picture of an eye, blood type creepypasta until, like, maybe the eighth or ninth chapter when gross stuff starts happening. And again, it was like, mm. okay, well, I read, I read, like, seven of these that I kind of liked to actually was invested in, and then got to the eighth one, and I was like, oh, no, Jeff the Killer, when did you get here? How did you sneak in? Why'd you do it? Um, but, yes... So the, the way that the story is structured is basically at the opening of every post, there are ten posts, the OP, who is not the protagonist, gives sort of an, an outlining in the real world of what's happening. Um, so on the first post he says, you know, he had this friend, Alice Sharma, when they were in, he says, uni, uh, college for U.S., people um and he says that they met and she was just very charming and basically good at everything um after college they were roommates and then eventually they sort of lost touch and then eventually he gets a creepypasta email from um i think it's no he doesn't know who um i don't know he, he thinks he, it says it has nothing uh, in the subject line, or the to from uh, box, or the body of the message, but it is like, there's an attachment that is from his, like, sort of friend, just like acquaintance Alice, mm -hmm. former, f like, a, for a former roommate uh, who had moved away. Yeah, it's, and the title of the file is left.right.as, and he says... I, I assume OP is a he. I don't know that he genders himself. They gender themselves, but I I think that feels right to me. Um, and he, OP says, I don't have to explain what I was hoping those final initials stood for. I don't really understand why he wants so desperately to get back in touch with her, but he She does, had gone I missing, I think, right? She, she what? Has she, she had gone missing by this point, right? Or missing? Um, I don't know that she ever went missing. She did? No. Okay. Well, there was a point where he starts, like, contacting her work and they haven't heard from her. So, yeah, but he didn't think that at the beginning. Right. Yeah. I guess when he gets this email, he is just, like, he hasn't heard from her since she left. Um, yeah. 
complete. Yeah, he s- describes it as complete radio silence, and he assumed that she was busy. Um, but yeah, it is worded a little unusual. Like, why do you? Why are you hoping that she sent you this email that is blank and has nothing in it? <laughs> right. Like, the sender is blank. What does that mean? I don't understand. You got an email from no one nowhere? And especially yeah. at the end, it's explained that Alice literally sent this email from her computer. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be from her email address? Yeah. I don't understand. And um, I think it's implied that she just sent it and didn't know who was getting it. No, she seems she to, to indicate. The, no, she says to the recipient of this email, I hope that you're doing well and I wish we could be friends for longer. Right, but the fact that she says to the recipient of this email made me... That was a weird way to put it. I was like, yeah. why did you say it like that? That is not how people talk. <laughs> I mean, she does send it from like the middle of a deserted universe when she thinks she's going to disappear into a being of light. Um, so I don't really know what her Wi-Fi connection is being generated by, if it's a hotspot or what. But Yeah, I guess it's probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe she didn't have time to, to type anything real. Maybe she yeah. dissipated into non-humanness. I guess it's because the uh, narrator, uh, the, like, meta-story narrator, yeah, Neon Tempo didn't want to reveal their name, um, or the name of the character they were writing as for this story. I mean, they could just say redacted. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I, like... Uh sort of burped there um i was trying to not let the burp happen but then i like choked on it um Uh anyway on that uh, burp yeah take that it's yeah it's just like it it is very bizarre it seems like just redact some things maybe and, and then you could build some mystery in um also the bulk of the story for is formed from Alice's logs of playing the left-right game with some wacko wacko she met on the internet named Rob. Um, yeah. And, and the logs eventually start to just read like a normal first-person narrative happening in real time, rather than reading like someone writing all of it down afterward. <laughs> Well, but she she even says that she, like, the time between is getting shorter and shorter. Like, she'll just stop to write because, like, who's going to stop her from doing that? I see your point. But, yeah. like, originally she is hired, <laughs> she's hired by NPR, I guess, um, to go write this st- story about the left-right game. Um, and yeah, so she is- left to work at NPR in London, where I don't think NPR <laughs> is. Yeah, neither um, do I. Or That's hold fine. on, is that where? Because it seems okay. They um, oh, she's from she's from Bristol, but she was working in London, right? Um, oh, they were flatmates in London. She moved to America to work at NPR. That's yeah. why they had been so out of touch. Because, like, the UK is, what, the size of uh, New Jersey or something? It's like a really... It's not yeah, a big, it's very little. It's not a big country. Hold on. How big is... Uh, I would Uh-oh. say great, Here we go. Great, great Britain. How big is Great Britain? 93,000 square miles. Uh, how big, how big is, is New Jersey? New Jersey. Okay, so it's about ten times bigger than New Jersey. Ten so New Jersey. that was wrong. So I guess it's probably closer to the size of 
like Pennsylvania. No, it's like two Pennsylvanias. Gosh, this place. What are you saying? The UK is much bigger than I thought it was. Um, So Texas is two hundred and sixty-ish thousand square miles. Okay, that's too many. So it's about a a third of Texas, or two Pennsylvanias. <laughs> yeah, for for everybody who knows exactly how big Pennsylvania is, it's it's two of those exactly. Oh, great. Uh, wait, cool. what if I just search which state is Great Britain the same size as? Well, great Britain the same size as? Enter. Um, Eleven U.S. states that are larger than the U.K. No, that's not what I wanted. God. <laughs> List no. of U.S. states and their sizes? Is that anything? Oh, yeah. U.S. states by size. Yeah. U.S. states by size. Oh, the way you uh. phrased that was much better than the alien way that I said it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's a little less. it's a little less than half of California. Or a little it's more than somewhere between Minnesota and Michigan. Okay, uh, that's bigger than I thought. Anyway, that's still like, you know, <laughs> Alice went over know the how, ocean. I don't know how big any of the states we just listed are. Actually, it's it's slightly smaller than Oregon and uh, bigger than Idaho. By a great like land area. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> wow, we are so, uh, <laughs> so anyway. good at telling story. Uh, so <laughs> she moved from London to America to work for NPR, interviewing I guess interviewing wackadoos. Uh, yeah, about weird made up stuff. Yeah, it's so, a very unusual job that she seems to have uh, gotten. That's true. Um, so she goes to Phoenix, Arizona, and meets with this guy Rob Wackadoo Boy, and he's like, "Oh well, you know, I when I was younger, I used to hunt cryptids. Like a friend of mine took me to Aokigahara, which is the suicide forest that's actually real, and we saw this like creature made of static that looked like a person, but it didn't have an arm. And uh, then I was like, "Oh well, I believe all cryptid stuff from now on forever." Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, this very gullible. Yeah, this um so this story has a problem with character names like many creepypastas do where they all sound like um someone trying to come up with an American sounding name despite never having met an American and not speaking English. Um, well, but the thing the problem is that they all use fake names during the story. That's fine. The fake names are fine, but Alice Sharma is nothing. That's... uh, Why? The last name Sharma is fine, and the first name Alice is also fine. Robert J. Guthard. Nobody's called that. That's true, but two of the characters are named Sarah with an H and Jen. And Linda is another one. She's old, and her name is Linda. Of course it is. Uh, those are normal. Well, no, that. Hold on. Excuse me. People don't <laughs> change names when they hit fifty. <laughs> I know that, but like my grandma's name is Linda, so to me that's like a good grandma name. And the sure. person with that name in this story is sixty-five. So cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, I'm. Uh, I also <laughs> I I bristle at the nicknames of two of the characters, um, but we'll get to them. Bonnie and Clyde. Is that the yeah. ones that upset you? Yes. Yeah, that's also the ones that upset me. 
Um, so they, they use these, basically, this guy, Rob, like, collected a bunch of internet weirdos to go on an adventure into this game. Um, I don't really know why they want to do it, except for one of them who's, like, a very notorious skeptic. In their community, I guess? What community are they talking about? She's like, I'm, oh, I'm part of the skeptic society of skeptic people. I'm guessing like, yeah. that she's a famous skeptic like Richard Dawkins or like that guy who has the million dollar skeptic like bet oh, yeah. where uh-huh. if you prove any supernatural phenomenon he'll give you a bunch of money. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you know but, about Princeton's like pair their like paranormal research uh division that they have? I do not. Yeah, they have like like P A R. I don't remember what it stands for. It's one of these like very forced clever acronyms, but it was literally like for a long time they would have people come in and like look at these cards um Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Lab. That's what it is or was closed in 2007. Um, but, yeah. like, they had a guy come in and be like, I'm psychic, and he did, like, way too well on the tests for it to be random error. Like, that test where they hold up a card and they're looking at it and you're not. Um, and then you tell Ooh. them what it what it is out of five symbols. But, but was, was the person th- testing him uh, Dr. Peter Venkman, and was he a cute uh, undergrad? Because then I understand what happened in the test. <laughs> uh, no, he... Um, the, the cards were see-through, it turns out. <laughs> so the guy could see them from the back, and right. then they switched the cards to being not see-through, and suddenly he couldn't do good on the tests anymore. So that was great. They did great. Yeah. But The thing anyway. about all supernatural phenomenon is if it existed, they would just call it natural phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Got him. Um, yeah. So there are like eight people assembled, I think. There's the yeah. We've got Rob. We've got Apollo. Um, we've got Alice, mm-hmm. uh, who goes by Bristol. Uh, Apollo is a Ace. nickname. I don't. I don't know if we ever find out his real name. Um, we don't. Rob's nickname on the road is what is it again? Ferryman, like Sharon okay. across yeah. the river sticks. Um, right, the ferryman. Yeah, uh, of course, because nothing in this story is going to be subtle ever. Why would it be? Um, <laughs> but the thing is, also, nobody ever calls him by his nickname. Everybody calls him. Yeah, Rob. everyone just calls and him s- Rob. So I thought at the beginning, maybe, and it's sort of like people discuss in the comments whether or not this is a possibility. Um, that maybe the road has like some way of knowing your name or like taking names or names are important and that's why you have to do this but no they use rob's real normal name all the time and nothing bad happens so i i'm not totally sure about that um yeah but then, it's very unusual yeah i i do like i know i said i really like this story i i a compared to other creepypastas which are all bad um, and B, I do recognize that it has some big gaping holes in it, and there are some logical issues and fallacies, but I enjoyed reading it, which is more than I can say for mm, literally any other story I've ever read for this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, we've got Ferryman, Apollo, Bristol, Bonnie and Clyde, Blue Jay, and then the other two ladies whose name I forget. So yeah, Lilith eight. and Eve. Lilith and Eve. Oh, that's their nicknames? Right. Yeah. Their names are Sarah and Jen in real life. 
I would hope that, yeah, those are both just normal human names. It's only the juxtaposition when you put them next to each other that they become obviously nicknames. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so the um, Lilith and Eve are uh, YouTubers who research uh, paranormal stuff. Um, Bonnie and Clyde are just interested. Blue Jay is the one who turns out is revealed like halfway through the story to be a skeptic. Um, and then Bristol is the NPR reporter, and Apollo and Rob are just, uh, paranormal enthusiasts. Yeah, and Ace Oh, and there's Ace. Ace becomes the ninth, right. Ace is just some douchebag who shows up underprepared and everyone doesn't like him. Yeah, well, I mean, mostly just Rob doesn't like him because he showed up underprepared, but he handles it reasonably well until he dies. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. All of these people die. I should tell. We should tell you beforehand. Um, <laughs> well, not in, all of them. We don't have any evidence that Alice dies. Yeah, that's true. We don't know for sure that Rob dies. Um, it's just uh, very likely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Even characters that you don't know about yet, audience, will they will die? Don't worry. All yep. the ones, all the ones of them. There are characters who were in, who existed ex- solely before the beginning of the story, whose deaths will become important later. Uh, <laughs> so they start on their drive, and they're all in different cars. And, well, not all of uh, them. Well, right. The ones uh, that you would expect to pairs, be in the same car are in the same car. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde share a car, Lilith and Eve share a car, Bristol, uh, a.k.a. Alice, is hanging out with Ferryman, a.k.a. Rob, since he is the subject of her... NPR story about playing this car game. Um, <laughs> and he moved yeah. to Phoenix to play the game because it has a very good grid for playing the game. Yeah, he says that there are very few places where you can get an un- uninterrupted, just like left, right, left, right, left, right, without hitting a dead end, which I believe. And he mentions Chicago yeah. and Phoenix as being two places where you can play the game. He doesn't bring up one-way streets and how those impact the game. I mean... As far as I know from everything that happens in this story, you have to make consecutive left and right turns at any, like, intersection you hit. So if that means going the wrong way on the one ray, I don't think the road cares about that. Yeah, I would imagine once they cross over into the other side, it doesn't count. But just for the the game normal, like, before you cross under the tunnel... In the do real they world? have to? Yeah, when they're in the real world, do they have to make like illegal left turns and right turns as well, or do that does that not count as a possible left or right? Well, so I think that they basically, if they did something like that, like if they skipped a left turn because it would be a one way going the wrong way, I think they would just have to start all over because. Mm. Before you get through the tunnel, none of this crazy supernatural business happens if you miss a turn. It just ends the game. Right. If you, I just if you wish that the author had specified. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. I mean, I'm also like going on the established lore from the comments, so... Right. Um, it's the issue. The issue is that all of the like, pretty much every major American city is built on a grid. You could play it anywhere. It's just most <laughs> grids. It's just like the odd numbered streets go west and the even numbered streets go right or whatever. So every other <laughs> street west is and right. The two ways you can go. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Shut up. <laughs> <And they're... laughs> And the 
there's not <laughs> damn it there's nothing you can really do about it so you, you like it's built on a grid but is phoenix like that no i want to look at a map of phoenix okay map i've of... never been there I don't live no, very not. far from it, but I've never been it. I don't have to type in map. Wait, really? Is are you close to Arizona? I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because New Mexico, New Mexico is on the other side. Yeah, you're right next to California, uh, Arizona. Arizona is yeah. right next to California. Okay, we're right next to each other. The <laughs> one is next yeah. to the other, so they're both next to each other. Yep, there's nice hills there. That's all I know. Uh, my grandmother mm-hmm. lives in Arizona. Oh, that's um, good. So I'm looking, and gosh, there's a lot of little side streets. I don't think that this is a particularly good grid for this, but I don't <laughs> see any. Ar- I don't see any arrows indicating one-way streets here on Google Maps. So I okay. guess it's fine. Um, I guess they don't have to worry about the one-way street thing. Um, I'm seeing a lot of little circles and dead ends, though. I don't know uh, where in Phoenix they started. Oh, that was a golf club. Never mind, that doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> golf club's basically just a dead end for your like life, because once you get there, you're so old, you die anyway. I get the feeling that this person writing this story looked at a map of Phoenix and noticed it was a grid, um, and did not zoom in on the map close enough to see that actually there's a lot of like extra little turnoffs that would complicate a game like this. <laughs> and also doesn't live in the US, so doesn't know that basically all of our big cities are grids. Yes. Well, I don't know. I, I can't tell if the author is actually British or uh, if they just uh, affected that tone for the story. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems weird that they would do that and be like, oh, we were we were flatmates in London for uni and then she moved to the US. Like, why wouldn't they just start there? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, because if, when you're writing a creepypasta, the first thing you have to do is decide how many weird indulgences you're going to take with your uh, storytelling before you get to the point. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, so they get they get on the road, and everything's normal, then around the 34th turn, they see this um, crazy lady that seemingly, uh, well, that comes up and like yells at them and attacks their car, and then slams her head against a um, window, and afterwards Alice seems to think that nobody else could see her except them, the people in the cars. Um, yeah. And she said, the the lady says some kind of prophetic words that I, I don't recall off the top of my head that are not uh, that important. It's like oh, they're right here in front of you, me. Will you dance down the lion's tongue, which I don't know what that means. And then she calls her a whore and says some other bad words. Yeah. Lambs at the gate, hoping for something better than clover when all they find are things worse than slaughter. Like, come on. He wanted to leave me, so I cut him out. The lake was hungry, it drank the wound clean. That's the most prophetic one. The lake was hungry, it drank the wound clean. That's Um, true. And he he wanted to leave me, so I cut him out. Both of those are important. I'm glad, I'm glad uh, you said them, because I forgot that she said anything that mattered, actually. <laughs> I just happened to have scrolled to it. Good job. Um, Good storytelling. When I clicked back over to the tab. Yeah, it's <laughs> dumb. Uh, one, another issue is typos. Um, like, we have li- right below that, you know, I didn't notice the typos because I didn't read it, but this is an issue to have it say, 
Lilith, as like the script intro for this transcription of Alice's recordings, and then right after Lilith saying Lilith to Bristol, and the second instance of the word Lilith is spelled wrong. What? What are you do? What are you doing? Is it that word is impossible to look at? Too many little bars going upwards. Yeah, that one is spelled wrong. You're right. Yeah, it's like why is it why why did they do it that way? By um, accident, because you can't spell check names that you use that aren't in dictionary. Whatever. Uh, anyway, if the, they end up, uh, Rob very forebodingly is like, you can get out of the car at any point before we go through the tunnel. And then, like, pulls over, bef- like, just near the tunnel and is like, you can go now if you want to and it won't be a problem. But after this, you, like, can't leave unless you have someone in a car to guide you back. Yeah. Um, you'll be too far in and you will need to be in a car and retrace your steps to get back from here and I'm not turning back. Um, so they go in, nobody turns back. Uh, they go through the <laughs> tunnel and then there's a turn right afterward and Rob um, I think he warns them about it being tricky. He calls it a trap. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He says the fir- the first trap is coming up. He also um, says, like, we need to go through one at a time. Of course you do. It's a road. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a there's a part later where they have to go through a certain sequence, like, individually. Like, none of them can yeah. start it until the previous person has finished. So maybe that's what he meant. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, maybe. You're talking about, like, when they're going through the trees. The, no, the hitchhiker part. Oh, that's a part that's happening right now. Okay. Uh, so they... Well, no, I they just got through the tunnel. That was it. The first trap was the fact that the left turn after the tunnel is a little sharper and comes up quicker than you expect. Um, and then they stop before the hitchhiker, and they have to go through one at a time, meaning, like, one person will take the next, like, 19 turns or however many it is. It's somewhere around there. And then there. phone back. And yeah. then once... Yeah, 13 turns. Um... Half an hour, the next 13 turns will be going one by one. So uh, Robin and Alice go first, and they take their 13 turns, and along the 13 turns, they pick up a hitchhiker, and they're not supposed to talk to the hitchhiker. And then after he drops off the hitchhiker and finishes that sequence of road, he stops, pulls over, and signals over the radio for the next person to go. Um, Mm. And it's really important for reasons that are never made clear that you don't talk to the hitchhiker. It is made somewhat clear that he tries to, you know, trick you or lead you astray, but it's not fully there. It's I like I think it's fine. I I, sort I of. because I think it's just in comparison to all of the like what am I trying to say? Uh, all of the creepypastas where everything is so explicit, like, oh, a magic thing happened, and here's exactly why it happened, and where it came from, and what it meant, um, yeah. to just have some things that are sort of mysterious, I don't really have a problem with that, honestly. Like, basically, what we know is that you don't talk to the hitchhiker because he's a mystery magic man, and if you do, then you go totally crazy and turn into little pixels. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like the idea of you're not supposed to talk to him because maybe he tricks you. But I wish that there was some indication why Rob thinks that. Um, cuz it seems like he just guessed. 
Um, he does, he does, he's like, how do you know what happens when you talk to him? If he had given some reason instead of just like, I don't know what happens. I don't know why you're not supposed to talk to him. I have no idea. Like, give me something, something more than that. Sure, I understand. Um, And I don't think it's really made clear later either when we discover, like, what was going on with Rob and, like, why he's doing the game. Um, mm Because one thing that happens is Bristol notices a car crashed off the side of the road during this segment. Yeah. And she she has the YouTube girls, Lilith and Eve, take a a video of it because they're videoing the whole journey. Yeah. and they, uh, so everybody goes through and it's fine. And gosh, this story is just so long. We don't need as much detail as we get. Uh, Alice almost talks to the hitchhiker because he says something like really rude and she's about to turn around and be like, what? Uh, but she doesn't. She like catches herself and Rob catches her by the arm. Um, but she does look at the hitchhiker who thinks that he's gotten her, but he hasn't. Um, then, uh, Lilith and Eve are like, we stopped at that car after the hitchhiker part, and we grabbed a backpack out of it. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's kind of crazy, uh, but they did it. Um, we discover that Bonnie talked to the hitchhiker, who said that they should go to a place called Wintery Bay. Mm-hmm. He said that there's, like, a house waiting there for her, and it's a very nice place to live. Yeah. Um... And that, the, you know, I just listened to the audiobook of uh, The Haunting of Hill House and watched the television program. And some of the, these segments, if, if this had not uh, been written long before that was a TV show, I would have thought for sure, like, yeah, he is inspired. This author was inspired by that show. Um, mm-hmm. But some of some of the, I think the best stuff is the stuff with Bonnie and the her yes. obsession with Wintery Bay. I agree. Um, I I think that that is very interesting and sort of feels real for like if you had some sort of psychological illness that made you believe that this was real and people kept telling you like, oh no, you can't go to this magical perfect place. And you were like, I don't understand why you're hurting me this way. You can sort of see where that's coming from. Um, But like, there's a lot of talk in the comments like, oh, this should definitely be the next channel of the next uh, series of channel zero. And I totally see that. I could totally see this as a television show. It's eminently adaptable. Um, I was already, as I was listening to it, thinking of, okay, so here's some of the stuff you'd have to change. Obviously, if you're going to call them Bonnie and Clyde, they have to be a married couple or you have to change their names. You can't have them be brother brother and sister and called Bonnie and Clyde. That's creepy. Um, Lilith and Eve, similarly, you either have to, like, make them a lesbian couple or change their names. You can't do that. Well, but they talk it's about that. Fair. They talk about mm, that. Not enough. And, um, and definitely enough. Because they're, like, literally... Okay, we'll, we'll get to that part when we get to it. But yeah, I, ag- I uh, agree with you. Like, sure, some stuff would have to change. But, like, the, the bare bones of the story at every part, I think, would make an interesting and engaging television program. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it has the same problem every creepypasta has. It's very obviously a first draft. Yeah. Um, but luckily, this person is a skilled enough writer that that first draft, it's like, yeah. you know, they did, a, they did a pretty good job. Um, yeah, they are a very good writer, which I enjoy, uh, because this is, like, probably some of 
the best overall writing I've seen on No Sleep. Like, there are very few sentences that I read that made me like, come on, why did you say it that way? Why why did you do that? Um, or, like, the, the framing of the story and the pacing I don't think was bad. Uh, it's sort of like the halfway point between the two types of stories. Like, yeah. it's, it's written pretty well and the concept is pretty good it's not like one or the other yeah luckily um yeah uh, anyway in the story they get to this uh we actually don't find about um bonnie talking to the hitchhiker yet i don't think instead we hear yeah we hear the radio uh and they're about to um they're listening to the radio uh from a town called jubilation with this guy named chuck greenwald uh talking over the radio and um, then uh, the radio turns into random screaming of people being tortured. And then in the next part, they come upon uh, a town, uh, a sign that's like, now entering jubilation. Um, so that I thought was pretty effective. I liked that. Yeah, I agree. I was all a bit spooked by that. I was like, ooh, in- interesting. Um, um. And I, I don't, that's the other thing. I think that this author is reasonably good at leaving moments alone. Like, that doesn't really come back up. They don't really talk about it. It doesn't get overly explained. And I think that's good. I, I, I like that. Yeah, there's just something wrong with the people in whatever this world is. Um, mm-hmm. They're just not right. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, even before we get there, uh, Lilith and Eve show... Alice, what they found in the car, which was some C4 and a cell phone, and mm-hmm. um, they, like, say this weird thing where they say they downloaded all of Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I have all of Wikipedia on my phone, that's the only reason I even brought it. Like, what? Which is, that's a lot. It's 5.6 terabytes. Oh my um, god. Uh, th- actually, no, that's not fair. Uh, that is the full edit history as of April 2010. Oh, I see. Not just, like, uh, so the it, current content. Um, let's see. A dump of, uh, <laughs> of, gosh, I want to just see hard copy size. No, not the, oh boy, the hard copy size is like, it would be a whole room, uh, full of oh my God. big books. Um, <laughs> yeah, let me, give me a good, like, gigabyte number here, Wikipedia. There's a Wikipedia page called Size of Wikipedia. Uh, the current ver- as of May 2015, the current version of the English wiki article template redirect text was about 51 gigabytes uncompressed in XML format. Okay. Um, That's a lot. So, yeah, they clearly would just have to have, like, a 100 gigabyte SD card in their phone or like yeah, whatever what? computer they were using and like why why wouldn't you just say like oh i brought an encyclopedia yeah or like i have a survival guide in my phone because that's a thing that you can have like sure, i downloaded the i downloaded every survival guide from the google play store and here in the military survival guide it says that c4 is safe if you take out the uh the detonator. Boom, yeah. there, I fixed it. I already punched it up well, instead not of boom. having to... Actually, not boom. Well, oh, yeah, sorry. Not boom. I punched it <laughs> up uh, by preventing this explosion. Good um, job. Yeah, it's just really kind of dumb and weird. Um, 
But again, it's something that you could just like snip, snip, and it would be fixed. For yeah, exactly. Issues. Easy, easy to fix. Um, or you have uh, one of the two otherwise indistinguishable girls be a sur- crazy survivalist, because that is a archetype that's sort of missing from this. Uh, yeah, this road Somebody trip. Who, I think like, does this because they want to be challenged by the the roads, like hardships. You're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do feel that each car's worth of people feels distinct. Um, but Apollo feels different. Yeah, exactly. Bonnie and Clyde feel they're the same character. Uh, Lilith and Eve are indistinguishable from each other. Uh, but otherwise, um, everyone feels different. And that's. Yeah, I agree. Good. Uh, It's one of the biggest challenges, I think, that, um, creepypasta writers have is, you know, writing characters that don't all just feel like you watched too many episodes of Buffy and said, uh, time to write a book, uh, about this. About a hundred Buffies. <sighs> yeah. Where everyone just talks like that, even though actually nobody talks like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, um anyway, yeah, what happens next no- in the story? Nothing, 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 nothing. And then they look at the video of the car in the morning. Like, the they talk about they're eating breakfast or whatever. And then in the morning, Alice goes over to Lilith and Eve. So it's just the three of them alone. And um, they pull up the video and look at the abandoned car. Um, and they get inside it. And then... Oh, the phone. The phone and the explosive are connected. I don't know enough about explosives to know if this is anything. Um, it seems to be the type of explosive that you would activate by dialing a phone number. Um, yeah, sure. That but you then would later, call later this in the phone. Story, later in the story, though, Alice uses the C4 by using the phone. How? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just... It's impossible to know, I think. Yeah, it's impossible um, to know, I, that's true. Exactly. I, um, the person does not really, I don't think, understand action in stories, and they just yeah, want something fine. cool. It's uh, just have it be like, we found a backpack, it had a cell phone and a bunch of grenades in it. And then, there you go, you fixed that problem, just have it be yeah. some grenades. It doesn't, there's no need for it to be C4, except that you wanted there to be a cell phone there. But why not just put the cell phone there? It's someone's car. Of course there's a cell phone in it if they abandon the car. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's true. Um, and there's a text message in the phone that says something like, don't do this, Rob, or whatever. And they're all like, oh, yep. Rob, oh my god, he's on the phone. Um, so then... And this is his phone. It was Rob's car, but... That's the going theory now that Alice has, that Rob took this trip previously uh, and abandoned a car and a phone somehow. Yeah, and so then um, Rob and Ace get in another little tiff about Ace not being prepared with anything, and um, then they get in the car and start driving further well, down this, the road. The tiff, the tiff with Ace is because he didn't stop to pick up the hitchhiker, Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't actually matter because the hitchhiker's magic and he will get in the car and then implant memories of you stopping to pick him up. So, well, but Ace, Ace dies very soon after this. And true. I, I, I and the commenters sort of wonder whether or not those two things are related just because nobody else even comes close to being like, 
hurt or dead during this part of the story. Like, some kind of creepy things happen, but nobody else comes to danger except for Ace. Actually, do we find out for sure that Ace dies, or does he just get taken away? Uh, he gets dragged away with a tow truck hook through his mouth, so... Okay, right, yeah, he's probably dead. Um, yeah. But yeah, he gets uh, real killed, which is fine, because he was a total dumbass just bumbling his way through this supernatural event. Um, <laughs> so, like, at the beginning of the story, you're like, alright, Ace is gonna be dead soon. Yep. Um, <laughs> And that is exactly what happens. Um, they drive through Jubilation, and it's weirdly deserted. And then they see people who are, like, eating dinner on their front lawns, which is strange behavior, I think, to say the least. Um, and then, uh, what is the next stupid thing that happens? Um, oh, then they get run off the road and stopped, and then Ace gets taken away. Yeah, but the... The reason that happens is because there's a little pass that they have to go through, and they have to go through one by one, right? This is another, like, individuals thing, but now it's just, like, a spatial issue because it's a really bad turn. And, like, everybody goes, and the last two are Blue Jay and Ace, and Blue Jay goes through really slowly and, like, sort of just takes her time and doesn't really care, and then when Ace tries to go through, he flips his car, and then they take him out and drag him away, the two, like, people in the tow truck, uh, with his head on the tow truck hook. But also during that, Rob... Uh, pulls out a rifle and shoots one of the people who's trying to take Ace away and the guy just sort of looks at his like bleeding chest like, hmm, okay and then continues doing what he was doing Yep, um it's, we don't never really figure out what's going on with Jubilation no one even really presents a theory except, uh, I don't know, it's weird in here, um yeah. it's, it's unusual um, another thing is that this is a metatextual criticism. Why does this guy have to take any time at all to post these logs of Alice's journey that she sent him <laughs> on email? I don't know. Like, why couldn't he just post it all as one big chunk, honestly? Yeah, the real answer is he hadn't written it yet, uh, or they hadn't <laughs> right. written it yet. Although, based on the way this story is written, I suspect a man has written it. But I have yeah. been wrong about that in the past, because you never know with horror stories. Um, I okay. think probably because they are um, historically kind of sexist, so if you're into horror, even if you're a, a, like a woman, then you're still gonna, you know, end up revisiting some of that same kind of trope stuff. Oh, 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 speaking of the old author gender switcheroo, did you know that there's a sequel to Baraska? A 20-part sequel to Baraska? A 20 I've heard about Baraska 5. Yeah, that's a 20-part that, sequel. That's 20 parts long? Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, uh. I opened it on C.K. Walker's website because somebody on here actually was talking about it, and I was like, oh, interesting. Assuming it would just be like an epilogue or a follow-up. And I saw yeah, that's that what had, I thought it was. Yeah, but then I saw that it had 20 whole parts, and I skimmed the first, like, half page, and none of the characters were the same. And I was like, okay, I can't, I, I can't start this over again. God. I can't go through this a second time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was rough. Oh, I found an interview with, um, with Neon Tempo. 
Um, they took inspiration for the left-right game from a road trip in Morocco, where if you fell asleep in the car, you would wake up thinking that you had entered an entirely different world because of how hmm. varied the terrain is. Interesting. Um, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, me too. I still have no indication of Neon Tempo's gender. gender. Um, it's like not their their real name is not specified here. Hmm. Um, their significant other is a woman, but that really that doesn't only mean anything. That increases one likelihood over another, but that's not really relevant as far as knowing yeah. for sure. Um, that's true. It's yeah, it's a weird one. Okay, the, it's the fine. narrator. We'll, we'll probably call him a he for the course of us talking. But if they want to yeah, be called by accident, else, just let us know. It's fine. Yeah. Though the narrator is a young man, most of the story is told from the Yay! view of Alice Sharma. Which character do you most relate to, and why? So the narrator of this story is a young man. Yay! Uh, we still we knew it. We still don't know about Neon Tempo, though. That's fine. Um, I don't really care. Oh wait, here we go. Uh, what made you decide to set the left-right game in Arizona? Were you familiar with the area you set the story in? I have never been to Arizona, I'm afraid. <laughs> to be completely honest, I've never even been to Bristol. I chose what? Phoenix for the same reason Rob did. It's built on an incredibly impressive grid system. Uh, in incredibly fact, one website impressive. told me... yeah. One website told me that the grid system in Phoenix is so exact that every eight-numbered street equals... Uh, exactly one mile. So each block is Wait, exactly half a mile. That's not a precise grid. That's just precise spacing of streets. Uh, yeah, but like the grid both ways is spaced this way. I oh, think. I see. Okay. Um, well, I mean, regardless, yeah. that is that is a lot of precision. Yeah. In any case, that's um, true. Wait. Once, so where uh, where is the author from? Do we did we get a nationality? Um. I guess British. I should have been. I should have read this interview before, huh? No, oh, no, it's okay. fine. I mean, no, it's okay. I didn't do any research about this person either. Uh, oh, the left-right game was their first contribution. Really interesting. It's, good. it's quite good for a first ever writing try. The left-right game was your first no-sleep contribution. No-sleep stories typically lose significant readership over multiple parts, particularly those longer than three installments. It's difficult what? to keep attention on a story if more than 48 hours go by with no update. Posts longer than 3,000 words can fail to attract those with limited reading time. The left-right game broke the mold with all of these trends in a very significant way. That's an incorrect use of broke the mold, but okay. Did you feel <laughs> as you were writing it that you were charting your own path? So, let me uh, address that aside first. Broke the mold means that something is unique, and afterwards, the mold which you used to forge it, like you would pour plastic into a mold to make a G.I. Joe figurine, that mold was broken afterwards so that it could not be replicated. So, they broke the mold when they made you is a way of telling someone, hey, you're really unique and like no one I have ever met, and I can't imagine that there uh, is anyone like you. Yeah. Um... It is not a way of saying um, you broke tradition or uh, broke sort of unspoken rules uh, and restrictions. I don't know what you would use instead. Uh, this isn't as bad as begging the question, which is a whole other thing. That's true. But uh, I mean, I regardless I, of that, I, only shooting I, I, stars I, can really break the mold. 
Yes, that's true. Uh, I wish... Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna blame Smash Mouth for people who <laughs> using Break the Mode. I wish I had never taken the philosophy of science fiction where I learned the correct use of Beg the Question, because uh, I wish I just didn't know that. What's the correct um, use of it? I need to know uh, now. I don't. Begging the Question is circular reasoning. It is when your response presumes that the question would be asked. Um, oh. I can find a g- good example. I don't have one off the top of my head, okay. but I'm no, I need it now. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Begging the question on Wikipedia. We're using a lot of Wikipedia. Luckily, we have it all downloaded on yeah, our phones. Yeah, we downloaded it all on our phones before we started um, this podcast. Yeah, it uh, it usually it's used to mean raising the question. Uh, yeah. um, so, uh, Africa is the largest continent because it has the largest area of any continent. No, you've begged the question. Uh, left-handed people are better painters because because right-handed people can't paint as well. No, those are logically valid, but they both are examples of begging the question because you are presuming the initial point, uh, oh, which no. is, well, how do you know left-handed people are better painters? You can't answer that with, because right-handed people can't paint as well. That is wow. an answer that just restates your initial point. Horrible. This is horrible, what you've done. I yeah. don't want to know this um, either. I didn't. Wa- I should have believed you when you said that you never wanted to know. You were yep. like, you were like, I never wanted to know this thing. I was like, oh, you never wanted to know? Tell me. Tell me immediately. <laughs> yep. It's an example of a logical fallacy, and the only reason I didn't want to know is because people use it incorrectly. But the fact that they've been using it incorrectly so long makes that just the new definition. Yeah, uh, I guess that's true. Uh, there's a there's a logical fallacy actually that i think about all the time which is the fallacy of the undistributed middle and basically let's get into it (laughs) okay i want to look this up to make sure i'm totally getting it right because i always know when people are doing it but i have trouble defining it um basically i think that it's just when you use logic that applies to a thing related to another thing to describe that second thing. So let's see, let's find a real example using words. Yeah, they say, um, all students carry a backpack. My grandfather carries a backpack. Therefore, my grandfather is a student. Not true, obviously, right? It seems clear when you use it in that context. But like, I think someone said to me once that they were, they had a headache and that they knew having a headache was one of the symptoms of meningitis. So they knew right away that they had meningitis. Right. No, you don't. That's okay. That can mean something else. You don't. There are other reasons to have a headache. Basically, like, forcing logic onto this. And I think that that's really interesting because that's just sort of become something that we use all the time. Like, basically always. Yep. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, this is one that I'm going to start noticing, huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. You are going to (sighs) start noticing it. I I think about it all the time and it really upsets me. Yeah. It it Uh, appears on the news almost all the time because it's an extremely good way of making people believe an insane thing you've said. If you're like, aliens are coming to get you, then you can be like, oh, well, you know, aliens could attack when the sun is out, and right now, the sun is out, so aliens are definitely going to attack. Yeah, it's like, um, pretty much all of political debate uses this fallacy. Like, uh, global warming can't be happening because it's cold out right now. Well, yeah. no, because <laughs> it being it being cold out is not mutually exclusive from global warming. You've 
uh, confused things, probably intentionally. Anyway, uh, this is the undistributed middle of the podcast where we just read d- different Wikipedia articles <laughs> instead of talking about the story. <laughs> um, this is the very distributed middle of the podcast. God, I hope it's not the middle. We're almost an hour in. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oops. Okay. So, So, anyway, I'm still reading a little bit through this interview. Why don't you tell us about what happened in the story while I see if I find any other interesting nuggets. Okay, so now we know that Ace is dead, and this is where we find out that Bristol is... Um, no, not Bristol, the other one that starts with a B, Blue Jay. Yeah, that's been very upsetting for me the whole time I've read the story, that their names are both two syllables and start with the same letter. Um, Blue Jay is the skeptic, and everybody basically thinks that she killed Ace, not really on purpose, but just because she took her time getting through that little thicket, and if she hadn't done that, then maybe he could have made it. Um, and then they get into a big fight with her. Um, she's awful. This is... I think that the hardest thing in stories is writing a believable antagonist because it's so easy to just be like, here's a bunch of horrible villainous things about a character I made up and they're all horrible and everything about them is bad. David King being a perfect example of this. Um, Especially if you're writing a skeptic in a story where a bunch of boogeymen are constantly <laughs> flying around murdering people with magic. <laughs> yeah, and I I do like the idea that the reason she really becomes the antagonist near the end of the story is that there's no way her own internal logic can explain the things that have happened, and that sort of causes a little, like, basically psychotic break almost where the things around her don't match the things she is saying that she believes. Um, I like the idea of that actually, but the author I think takes it like one or two steps too far where basically Blue Jay suddenly has to do the exact opposite of what the protagonist wants all the time, even if it doesn't seem like that makes sense. Like, mm, she's like, oh, well, that guy didn't really get shot. He was wearing a squib, and the rifle was probably loaded with blanks, even though the rifle is literally right in front of you, and you can look at it and see and what it's she loaded with. Uses, then she uses the rifle later to shoot someone. Yeah, and she doesn't think it's fake, obviously. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that is a problem, but I do also, like very willingly admit that I think that's the hardest part of writing a story. So I get it, but it constantly is pulling me out of the story. Like, basically every time she says something, I'm like, really? Are you sure? And it's yeah, but it, it's especially bad in this story, because it's like, if Harry Potter got on Hogwarts Express and he turned to someone next door as the train flew off into the sky, and they were, <laughs> they were just like, like, I don't believe in magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wizards, that's garbage, that's not real. Uh, I was like... Yeah, but my chocolate is jumping around, and this picture <laughs> of one of my teachers is talking to me. Like, come on, you know it is. You know it is. Yeah, like, everything you're looking at, basically, I think that what this author is getting at is adjustment of schemas is very difficult. Like, this this concept of psychological schemas, which you may or may not have heard of, is this idea that, like, basically, you are constantly categorizing things that you observe, And, like, for example, when you're a very small child, you see something with four legs, and someone tells you that that is a dog, and your brain says, okay, well, four legs means dog, 
and then you see a cat and you say, oh, four likes, that means it's a dog. And someone tells you, no, it's a cat. So then you have to break that into two new schemas for dog and cat. And yep, you have to redistribute that middle. Yeah, get that middle all redistributed. Um, so I think that this story is getting into like what happens when the main schema that you use to categorize everything around you suddenly doesn't work and you keep trying to apply it. Like, obviously, all this stuff is real, and when Blue Jay sees a supernatural thing happens, she goes to the file that says supernatural stuff is fake, and she says supernatural stuff is fake. But I think that it would be a lot more believable if there was faltering in that much, much earlier on. Mm. Yeah, like, after Jubilation is where she starts muttering, it's not real, none of this is real, right? Mm -hmm. Or is that after the road starts eating people? I think it's after the road starts eating people. After they see a literal person devoured by the ground two times in a row, and she's like, oh, well, they were actors. <laughs> no, they weren't actors, they got et up by asphalt, what are you saying? Yeah, um, it's, like, very obviously. <laughs> like, basically... I think my biggest problem with choosing this antagonist in particular is that skeptics are almost by definition, when it comes to paranormal stuff, skeptical because they're applying logic, right? They're like, it doesn't make sense that a ghost could move a, a thing around because things don't just move around like that, so you must be using Photoshop. So I feel like to have her look at supernatural stuff and say, like, I'm physically observing this happen, that her response is like, oh, well, everybody's in on it. What are you saying? Yeah. That's like, why Everybody? All of them. They're all yeah. in on it? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little bit much. Um, yeah. Especially, like, I, I found the turn where Blue Jay becomes, like, a crazy Jack Torrance just going around killing people uh, really unsatisfying. I didn't like yeah. that turn very much. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, understand it, right? Like, she basically was, like, she's somebody who doesn't believe in the paranormal, is dropped off in the middle of the road where a supernatural, rapidly aging child monster is attacking her, and that breaks something in her. But, to me, what she would do is, like, wait until everybody leaves the car, try and find the key. She can't find the key. She can't find Alice. And so she just runs down the road because that's your best chance of getting out. Yeah, especially because she doesn't believe in the game. So she doesn't think that she needs a car to get back, except that she's far away. Exactly. But they pass through a town. Just go talk to someone in that town. Right. right? <laughs> but instead her response is like, oh, time to do many murder. So yeah, yeah that's a problem. It's a little silly. Um, Anyway, back I mean, to where we are in the story. Yeah, this this story doesn't need an antagonist, especially because Alice meets, like, the devil at the end of it. Well, we'll talk about what we think that is, yeah, because... We'll get, we'll, we'll get I, to that. I have some theories about that ball of light. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let's see. Oh, they explain Clyde tells Alice that they call themselves Bonnie and Clyde because when they were younger they played outlaws and one time Bonnie tried to rob an ice cream store. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also a weird thing here after Ace dies where Lilith stops herself from calling Rob Rob. She says, Bristol, where's Rob Ferryman? 
Um, but you like called him Rob a hundred times already. Yeah, it's very weird because there's no indication why they need to call him by the nicknames. And I feel like that the author forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, if they if they forgot about it and remembered right there, they would just do uh, find and replace Rob with Ferryman. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just like. It feels like it was going to be a thing at some point in writing the story, and then they decided were uh, or forgot, like, oh, I have to reveal why they were supposed to keep their names secret. Yeah, but Ugh. then they don't. Sure. Um, so while Alice is talking to Clyde the morning after Ace dies, she learns that Bonnie talked to the hitchhiker, and now Bonnie is obsessed with finding this place called Wintery Bay, which the hitchhiker told her had a house waiting for her and was this perfect utopia and was the exact opposite direction of where they were trying to go. So... Alice says, like, listen, I don't really know what you're supposed to do about this, but probably you should talk to Rob, because he's the only one who knows how this road works, and we just saw our friend die, so it would be good if you talked to him. And Clyde is like, okay, I will. Um, and then Rob is like, okay, we're gonna start moving again, but if you guys want to go home, you can leave, like, probably go together keep on the radio with us but like i understand that we just saw a person die and that might make you want to leave but actually nobody wants to leave which to me yeah. seems weird like yeah i thought somebody would have left at this point like maybe lilith and eve me too because i don't really think that anybody is absolutely necessary after this like yeah which is why the author kills them off pretty systematically <laughs> that's true but it would make sense, logically, if they saw a friend of theirs die, they believed that he was genuinely dead, and they turned around. It makes me feel almost like all of them don't believe that it's real, because there's no incentive big enough for them to go forward and want to be dead. Well, uh, Bonnie has one, in yeah. that she's been possessed by this need to go to Wintery Bay, and Clyde has one because he's going to go wherever she goes. Yeah. Um, Apollo, we never discover his motivation for doing any of this. Yeah, he's just um, a weird paranormal enthusiast boy. Lilith and Eve needed more motivation. It's cool that they have the um, YouTube, YouTube channel. channel, but like establish them as being people who push their luck a little bit. So, like at this point, they're pushing their luck. Like, yeah, they thus far have not seen anything so explicitly supernatural that they couldn't write it off. So mm -hmm. one of them should have been like, no, we need to go a little farther until we get the footage that is going to make our channel really blow up. Um, Especially because like, they established later on that that's the relationship between them. Like, exactly. literally, Lilith explicitly says, Eve is shy and bad at stuff, and I make her do stuff she doesn't want to do all the time. So have yep. her make her do something she doesn't want to do, and suddenly it all makes sense. And I think that clears this whole part up. And if you put that in, yep. it's great. Uh, give Apollo a motivation or make him an old war buddy of Rob's or something where there's a reason why he's just here at all. There's Otherwise, there's no reason why he's here. Yeah, he's here because he's the only one of the other travelers that we're supposed to like. Um, yeah. And I understand that, but also you can like give him something about him at all. Um, yeah. Okay, so they start moving again. 
And then um, Rob sees a turn that's very sharp and... Lilith and Eve, I guess, think that something is coming after them. Oh, it is. Um, right. There's a monster following them, and Lilith and Eve are at the back of the convoy, and they're so focused on the monster that they don't make a difficult turn that Rob makes, and their car goes off the path, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, before before that, we get um, Did, Is a there something important more, that happens before that? Um, sort of, I guess. Uh, we discover that the the car, the road sustains the cars and people traveling it somehow like um the gas meter is not good the gas gauge is not going down as fast as it should be people aren't getting as hungry as they should be getting um and they're not eating as much as they um normally would be yeah um and then we get this thing uh alice and eve's car base or alice and eve no that's different um lilith and eve's car just stops yeah. Um, and they um, smack against the windshield. Uh, for some reason, they didn't have their seatbelts on, I guess, but they're also like mm-hmm. not ter- terribly hurt. Um, yeah. And then there's this whole weird sequence, which I think is genuinely thrilling. Um, yes, me too. The, me very much too. Yeah, their car is starting to sink into the asphalt because, because they've gone they off went the path. off the path. Yes, exactly. And. As it's eating them, they start to try and, like, all of the other people are trying to help them get off, because they sort of, for a second, are like, we don't understand what's happening, and by the time they figure out what's up, the car is already starting to sink, and I think that's good. That's probably what would happen. Um, yep. And they try to reverse out, and it doesn't work. Um, yeah, they're the too wheels, far down already. Yeah, the wheels don't even rotate. Um then Apollo's like, all right, I got it. I'm going to uh, drive my car over there, uh, and it, I, I'll have a couple feet, but it'll give us more of a bridge. Yeah. So he does that. Uh, even Lilith, well, before that, even, even Lilith climb onto the roof of their car. Um, then they're trying to find a uh, rope. Yeah. So um, they... Do they miss? He tosses the rope and they miss? Yeah. Yes. Well, well, Eve catches it, but then it goes slack. It dips down into the asphalt, and now it belongs to the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which sucks and is stupid. Okay. Uh, And then at this point, Apollo drives, sacrifices his car. Um, So he drives out. The plan is, I drive out, they jump onto my car, then we climb back. Uh, And Rob is going to use the winch... um, from his jeep to pull to pull them uh, not pull them back to make a rope for them to climb back. Yes. Um, so he does this. Uh, he leads them back. They stop. Eve's is it Eve who stumbles? Yes. Uh, which which one is the cool one and which one is the shy one? Lilith is the cool one and Eve sucks. Okay, Eve stumbles and uh, falls, but Apollo catches her. Um, and, and pushes her back up onto the car and he sinks into the road. Um, and his death scene is pretty troubling. He's like, this is fine. I'm fine. And then Alice tastefully cuts away and is like, I'm not going to put in this, this part where he's like dying at the end. Um, and then, uh, during this Eve lost her shoe and sock to the road. Yes, Um, that's true. They're climbing over. Um, Eve 
is she takes too long to start climbing, and so she ends up hitting the road uh, after an excruciatingly long segment of obviously she's not going to make it, but we still have to watch all these characters look at her try to make it. Um, She uh, is getting sucked into the road. She says, I'm sorry. She says, I love you, Jen. Lilith says, I love you too. I'm sorry I didn't. I'm so sorry. Um, And then that's it. That's that. She's gone. Apollo is gone. And Blue Jay has started saying, it's not real. It's not real. Kind of muttering to herself. Um, Rob offers to take Lilith back home, which is interesting. And then Lilith says no, because she wants to still get to the end, I guess. Make a, I guess it's a sunk cost fallacy. Three, three, yeah. three, three, three fallacies today. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've talked, we've talked about three whole fallacies. Three. Three of them. Uh, 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 uh. And then, so Lilith hops in the car with Bonnie and Clyde. Um, Blue Jay still has her own car. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alice says she's still going. And they're all um, still going down the road, surprisingly. Yeah, um, but I I really enjoyed reading this part. Like, it's kind of long, but I didn't really realize it was long until just now while you, you were talking through it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, this, uh, if I had to rank the scenes, that would be second to um, the part with Bonnie coming up, which I think is far and away the best part of the entire story that kind of makes all of it worth it. Um, Yeah. But it makes everything after this part, it makes everything after this part kind of a letdown to me. Um, (laughs) So... Uh, Neon Tempo comes back. Hi guys, sorry it's taken a while to get this posted up. I've been busy chasing leads with U.S. missing persons. Why? Why? Yeah. W- you're so busy that you can't copy and paste from the email you got from your friend, uh, like weeks before. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you this just do that first? Six? Hmm. I wonder. Uh, which I think, in order to not break the fiction of your stories, you should. Let's just write the whole thing before you start posting. Yeah, uh, I but I guess if you want to, if you want to get feedback from people and make it seem realistic, uh, but you could just make edits at that point. That's um, true. Anyway, uh, so they are going through basically a like dirt road through corn. Yeah. Um, Alice starts working on a um, a rough cut of the episode. She's cutting the audio files on her laptop. She keeps referring to it as her notebook. Um, she's listening to Apollo's interview and is sad about that. She listens yeah. to Eve's interview and is sad about that because she interviewed everyone even before they left. Um, mm-hmm. She listens back to uh, after the hitchhiker almost tricked her, that part. Um, anyway, it's it's interesting. At this point, she starts to be suspicious of Rob in some way. Yeah, I do sort of think um, that that's an interesting thing to put into our heads. Yeah, um, I mean, it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I think that the reveal actually worked pretty well. Me too. Um, but uh, the reveal would have worked better if it was something that you could have figured out on your own. Yeah, uh, I, I think mis- I think mysteries in general, the biggest weakness is the author does this grand reveal, and you're like, ooh, ah. But if you if you didn't have all the pieces to put to figure out that grand reveal before the author revealed it, and I think that it, 
Exactly. Yeah, I um, agree. So we should have known... It, it should have been stressed a little more uh, when the left-right game was first posted online, mm-hmm. or... Um, How Rob found it, a username or exactly. something, maybe that linked them together. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because this uh, here, she notices that Rob said that he went... He almost talked to the hitchhiker a few years back. Um, but at the time of this story, it's less than a year after the the instructions for the game, which Rob is ostensibly following, were first posted online. Yes. Um, and she also so makes sh- a comment um, right after or during, I don't really remember, the scene where uh, Apollo and Eve are getting sucked into the road, um, that the clothes that are in the backpack that contain the C4 are reasonably similar to things that Rob would have worn. Like, they, yeah. they look like the same sort of style from the same time period, and she's like, huh, that's weird, because of the Rob text message. Yeah. Uh, and she's this, like, source... I, this is the best place to put it, because she's listening back to these tapes, so yeah, it's that's perfect true. in that sense. And it feels like, ooh, maybe he is sinister. But I, it hadn't occurred to me that the left-right game was something that had only just been posted online. I guess mm-hmm. the author probably specifies that at the beginning of the story, but mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention enough, I guess. Um, I see. So, uh, Lilith and Blue Jay get into a fight uh, as Alice is considering, what should I do? Um, uh, actually, they all stop because they encounter a cliff, right? Is that where we are? Yes. Um, they stop because they encounter a cliff, and Blue Jay and Lilith get into a fight, so Alice has to kind of put this confrontation with Rob to the back of her mind. Um, it's... They get into, like, a physical fight, um, because Blue Jay said that, um, that everyone was complicit in Alice's death. Yes. Um, or sorry, Eve's death. Uh, there's an actress named Alice Eve, and that's what's throwing (laughs) me off. Is that her name? Yeah, she's in, um, what things is she in? I think she was in X-Men First Class as Emma Frost. Yes, and she was uh, the Dr. Carol Marcus in Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may remember her from being the woman in the trailer in her underwear that everyone was upset that Star Trek uh, was using sex appeal in one of its trailers. Um, I have no I idea what have, you're talking about. <laughs> I have little to no opinion on it. Um, Star Trek Into <laughs> Darkness is an enjoyable, terrible movie. Um, terrible in a lot of ways. Anyway, that's what Alice Eve is from. Uh, okay. She was also, she played herself in Night at the Museum's Secret of the Tomb. She played Great. herself in Night at the Museum? Yeah. Yep. But that's not a movie about movie stars? No, maybe it was at a wax museum. Uh, or there was a wax episode? museum seg- segment. <laughs> Do you remember that episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, where Travis claims that he watched a like alternative cut of Night at the Museum, where he could see like all of the wires on the floor and their feet, and like it wasn't supposed to be cut that way? Yeah, because the projectionist didn't uh, map the projection correctly. <laughs> yeah, I think about that so much. I really, really loved that conversation, and I think about it all uh, the time. 
I think about that every time I go to the movies. Me too. Um, like, maybe this will be the time I'll finally see the wires on the floor. I don't think it happens anymore because movies are released in multiple formats now and pretty much always digital. Um, well, and I, I don't, don't think, think it that- ever happens. <laughs> No, I, uh, like, after that episode, they got emails, and it does, uh, like, it can happen. No, they said that they They got a bunch of emails where people, like, went back and edited footage in, like, the Malcolm in the Middle extra and stuff like that. But they never said that, like, people were like, oh yeah, definitely, that's true. No, it's absolutely a thing. The projectionist can... In in old-fashioned movie theaters, at least, the projectionist has to manually set the black bars at the top and bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's On televisions, it's referred to as overscan. Um, well, what if I just Google projection overscan? Um, but it's just like, they have to do that manually. Um, and if they don't, then you're going to see stuff that was not supposed to be in the shot. But because so many movies are released in normal format and IMAX, which has a taller screen that shows more of the shot, um, it doesn't, it's not really important anymore. Like, I think that the, the 4K video file that they send to the movie theater now just Mm -hmm. doesn't have any extra footage around the edge of the frame, which it may have if it was a film reel. Hmm. What is it called? Projection matting? This is a you question. Uh, uh, I can't... uh, I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, it is a real thing. He almost definitely did actually see this if he saw it in the theater. No, 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 because that movie is from, like, 2010. No, it's from, like, 2008. (laughs) That okay. That difference is not significant enough that they suddenly are not recording this. Two thousand six. Um, no, they probably shot on film in two thousand six. It's uh, not the original Night at the Museum. It's Night at the Museum two. Oh, Night at the Museum two. Okay, yes. then when did that one come out? All right, Night at the Museum. Uh, where would I find the link to Night at the Museum trilogy? I'm going to click on that. And then I'm going to click at Night of the Museum Battle of Smithsonian. 2009. 2000, all right. 2009 is the same year that Avatar came out. Um, that is sort of the movie that pushed us into everything being shot digitally completely. Mm-hmm. Um, 2008, Iron Man came out. That was shot on film. What? Uh, yes, Iron Man was shot on actual film. Um, this is actually a whole thing, and I guess we can get into it a little bit. Um, the Marvel movies all look gray and muddy and bad, except for the ones made by um, like very visual directors like James Gunn and whatnot, um, because they moved to digital cameras, and so you have to set the color levels manually to make it look nice. But if you shoot on film, it just looks nice by default. Um, mm-hmm. This is I'm, I'm being very simple. But it's why if you watch Iron Man, the reds and yellows are really strong, and the darks, the like black parts that are supposed to be black are like really deeply black. Um, but if you watch the Avengers, everything is sort of the same silvery blue color. Hmm. If it's supposed to be black, it's just sort of dark gray. Um, and this is an issue with shooting on digital cameras. Interesting. So, it's 
uh, very likely that if this was a pre-2010-2012 movie, it was probably shot on film, uh, and so it very likely did have these extra uh, no. things around the edges, because no. it was also probably since... Where did Travis live in 2009? Cincinnati? I think um, so. So it was probably a small theater, if it was not in a big city, that was not yet uh, outfitted with digital projectors, because the digital projectors didn't start getting outfitted into, like, every theater in the country until after Avatar and the 3D slash IMAX boom. Mm. Uh, so that's a little bit of film uh, history for you. It's very likely that he saw this movie projected no. from an actual film film reel shipped to the movie theater in a film no. canister. No. <laughs> what you're saying is causing uh, you me physical what? pain. Hold on. I can actually, if we want to go, I can, my um, past guest Chris lives in this apartment and I can just ask him. He worked at a movie theater. He was a manager for a while. Okay. All right. I'm going to go ask him. So right. hold on for a second. Uh, you can continue recounting the story while I'm gone, <laughs> so that I don't, so that I don't have to edit all this stuff out. Okay. Um, so you you get to be the host for like five minutes. I'm a host of this podcast. Hello, it's me. This is story time with with Hannah. Me, the host, just by myself. Um, so Lilith and Alice have beers from Apollo's bag, and they sort of have a little like heart to heart where. Lilith reveals that Eve actually was a lesbian and did have feelings for her, um, but she didn't feel the same, and she feels bad about lying to her right as she was dying. Um, and that's the end of that sort of cutscene. So then the next morning, they are asking whether or not they want to go forward, and everybody agrees, so they start moving. Um, but a couple of turns in, Bonnie calls up on the radio and says that she thinks they've gone the wrong way, um, and everybody else sort of agrees, no, 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 we're, we're going the right way and everything's okay. Um, but that makes Alice look around and say, okay, well, what's happening? And she sees a sign pointing the other direction that says, Wintry Bay, five miles. Um, so Bonnie is just trying to get them to go to wintry bay and she asks rob to pull over she says to rob uh listen bonnie talk to the hitchhiker and there's a big scuffle um verbal scuffle where clyde is like we should go home bonnie says no um and they move lilith into uh the car with alice and rob so that she's not riding with bonnie and clyde anymore because she had been because they lost their car um then, wow, this is a lot harder without Jeff filling all the silence where I remember what happened in the story. Um, Bonnie starts yelling um, and trying to get out of the car um, while Clyde is still driving it, and they see the car go out of control. Um, they stop the caravan so that they can tie up Bonnie with a bunch of zip ties, and Blue Jay, Blue Jay gets really upset about this, because she Well, you've still... gotten pretty far in the story. I'm glad to hear of this. Um, <laughs> well, so you... it's called it's called trimming, uh, okay. when you uh, cut the edge of the film like that, when you mm -hmm. have to set it up, the projectionist. Um, and Chris says that he, while working in a movie theater that was pre-digital, never had to trim a, um, film reel by hand. Okay. So, um, 
That is interesting. I still think that it's real. No, it's um, not real. But I, had, I had no idea that this was going to happen. It upsets me greatly that, that we disagree <laughs> over this when I thought it was so clear that Travis had like a dream vision where he watched this movie. No, it's um, it's not. Like, he... It, I... I think that it might have happened to him, but also, uh, it was not something that was universally had to be done, uh, for every movie, mm-hmm. uh, as recently as whenever Chris worked at the movie theater, which maybe was like 2009-ish. That's fine. Anyway, so where are we in the story? Uh, they already... They tied up Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, they, they already had the experience where Bonnie tried to tell them they were going the wrong way, and then they tied her up with zip ties. Um, so this part, this part was really cool. I kind of liked that. Uh, I thought the drama of you just took a wrong turn was really good. Me Um, too. Especially when they just had that experience where they lost people into the road because of doing that. Uh huh. Um, it's especially interesting to me because, um, the, the idea of someone being haunted in this way is cool. And this is a haunting, regardless of the mechanics in story. Mm-hmm. It, it sure. functions as a haunting. Um, that for some reason in her, like, she's gotten it in her mind that she has to go to this place to do whatever. And yeah. she doesn't understand it and nobody else understands it. And it causes her conflict and it gets her into trouble. Mm-hmm. And this is the part that reminded me of The Haunting of Hill House book and show, because these people, um, in the novel, it is a bunch of people who become, they're like lonely, friendless losers, and mm-hmm. they suck. Um, and they are all invited to hang out in this ostensibly haunted house, or supposedly, supposedly haunted house, by this paranormal researcher. So it's already familiar in that way. Yeah. Um, and he's going to study the haunting, the haunting uh, of the eponymous Hill House. Um, <laughs> Imagine. And, Imagine that. Yeah, exactly. Um and the the thing that is more spooky is the way it specifically haunts the main character of the book, uh, Eleanor Vance. And uh, this is adapted pretty well in the TV show. Um, the thing is, the TV show does not share a plot at all. Um, Eleanor has some characteristics similar, but the main thing is that the uh, haunting is all focused through her. Mm-hmm. She comes to feel, for whatever reason, that that she belongs to this house, that it is her uh, destiny to be there. Um, and in the book, uh, it is like... It's very slow, because it's a book. Like, it just sort of slowly works its way there. The show kind of starts off with her going to the house, um, like, back to the house, because they grew up there. The whole family grew up there in the in the show. They're all a family. Okay. Um, but anyway, this, uh, this whole Bonnie thing reminded me, um, because it's just, it's, like, sad and mysterious in a way that I feel like creepypastas kind of ignore. Yeah, I agree. It's that unsettling feeling like there's something yeah, really like, wrong here we have we don't exactly we haven't learned anything thus far that would make you think well wintry bay is a bad place so right. 
we just know that there's no way she has any reason to believe that she should want to go there. Right. The only person she heard about it from was this weird ghost that hitchhiked uh, back and forth on the same stretch of road five times. <laughs> and the other thing um, we know is that when people tried to go the wrong way, they got et up by the road. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and what uh, the, it kind of reminds me of, and I was reminded of this uh, recently, uh, there's this letter that you receive at the beginning uh, of Silent Hill 2. Um, and it reads, In my restless dreams I see that town, Silent Hill. You promised me you'd take me there someday, but you never did. Well, I'm alone there now, in our special place, waiting for you. Waiting for you to come to see me, but you never do. Hmm. Uh, and it goes on kind of like this, on and on and on. Interesting. Um, and this prompts James to go find out why his wife is there, uh, why she is in this town. I think that she's supposed to, like, she's thinks that she's dead. He thinks that she's dead at the beginning of the story. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, in the beginning of the game, it, um, it ends with in our special place waiting for you. So it's very, um, it's, it's very like the idea of this benign place, but it's sinister because someone is compelled to go there mm -hmm. is very cool. And that's, that's why I like this whole Bonnie story. Yeah. Um, she uh, tries to trick Alice into letting her out of the makeshift handcuffs. Um, what else do we have? That makes Blue Jay mad because it. Yeah. Bunny very easily makes the situation appear as if it were Alice's fault, and Blue Jay's like, I don't understand why you're tying this person up because some weirdo told you to. And, like, intuitively, I want to say. Um, well, you just watched people get eaten up by the road, and you also didn't go over there to try what and see whether or not it was fake, right? You just, like, watched. No. I also sort of wonder why, no. um, why the road would eat someone who, like, walked off of it, because it seems pretty clear that they can walk wherever they want, right? They just can't drive wherever they want, so why couldn't well, Apollo just walk onto the area that was eating them and get them? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I guess you don't want to take that chance. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he could just walk over and carry them, because they were being punished for going off happens. the path. Yeah. But, but can they walk wherever they want? I don't know. Because like he's very specific. Once, once you're through the tunnel, you need to have a car. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little strange. Like, does, do you need to have a car no matter what? Or only if you're trying to go forward or backward on the game? Because um, they don't go off the path otherwise. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they... It's... Bonnie escapes, and she steals a car and goes to the turnoff to Wintery Bay. Mm-hmm. And she sort of disappears into ashes. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I like the visual actually a lot. 
Um, yeah, same. It, it's very, it's very Infinity War, uh, mm-hmm. but you can, it's, it's much sadder because it's about a person being haunted and there's no sequel where they're going to get brought back to life. Yeah. Um, what did they say? Uh, without looking back, Bonnie pulls away down the road to Wintry Bay. The trail of black particles rises from the fort as she goes with greater and greater volume as the entire car starts to wither away before our eyes. Less than a minute later, with Bonnie inside it, it gradually dissolves into dust and scatters to the wind. Ah, uh, see, I didn't like that it set gradually there. Yeah, me either. I um, wish it just like because it was gone. It was we knew it was gradual because it was over the course of minutes. You can't describe it finally fully disappearing as being gradual. Come on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, that's just my little punch up. Uh, authors, if you're listening to this, uh, don't. If this is your story, actually, Neon Tempo, if, why if, have you listened? Actually, if this is your story, maybe do listen because I don't think it would take very much to fix this story. We keep talking yeah, that's about true. that, right? Like, the suggestions we're giving, I think, are the last little twists that it needs. Yeah. Like, whoever yeah. wrote that garbage yeah, that's other story, the, like, my, this story is ruining my life story, he, that person should not listen, because all we did yeah. was rag on how terrible it is. But here, there's really not that much that needs doing before the story is really good. Yeah, the person who made uh, Mouth Sweet, the video yeah. game that I covered a few weeks ago, listened uh, and mm. enjoyed that episode. So, um, you know, that's fine. If it's a story that we like, I guess you can listen. Yeah. Um, so Clyde uh, goes and follows Bonnie to Wintery Bay, uh, also getting dusted. But um, it's like basically in the middle of the night... Alice sees Clyde go and follows him and is like, why are you doing this? And Clyde's like, Bonnie is the only person I've ever had, I guess. I don't know. This story is a little bit convoluted. But he then goes down the road um, walking. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's very... She's basically like, is there anything I can do to stop you? And he's like, no, there isn't. Uh, so she basically keeps him company as he goes. Yeah. And lets the road, the, lets the road dust him away <laughs> uh, so that he can, he can rejoin Bonnie. And I just think it would be winners. better, it would be better if they were a married couple instead of siblings. Yeah, me too. Um, but it's also, a, that would be so easily fixed. Yeah. Or if they're siblings, just change their nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then uh, Alice gets back and Blue Jay is like, why did you kill Clyde? And we don't understand why she says that. But then she makes it clear that, like, basically she saw them leave in the middle of the night together and then Clyde didn't come back. And she was like, that's really weird. Um, and then they argue about this and eventually Rob says, are you sure there was nothing we could do? And... Alice thinks about this, and it makes her very sad, and she's like, no, there's nothing we can do, and then they keep driving. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. Um, so Lilith correctly brings up, like, you tied Bonnie to the headrest, but Clyde can just go? Uh, yeah. But... Alice reasonably responds, well, no, Bonnie was possessed, and Clyde was deciding to do it, so Mm -hmm. it was different. Um, And then Lilith, of course, is like, no, he was was extremely in grief. You shouldn't have let him do that. So it's, it's like, kind of ends with, like, we don't, we don't know um, whether it was right of Alice to do this. Which is good, because Um, I don't think it is a right or wrong issue. Exactly. Yeah, I appreciated that quite a lot, actually. And much like her role as the reporter, she is merely a witness to the events of this story. Yeah. Which I think is good. She couldn't affect him either way. She would lose her journalistic integrity. That's true. Um, 
Yeah, it's this is the part where Blue Jay takes a turn. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the reasoning for it done is interesting. It. Yeah. Like, if it was really this concept of, you know, she thinks that people are actually hurting each other as a result of whatever hopes had been cooked up and she needs to find a way out. I think that's good. But yeah. we already discussed a lot of what we don't like about the antagonist of this story, so I don't think we need to cover it again. Yeah, it's just, we finally get into it. Um, this part of the story, they get into uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rob refers to his son as Junior. Um, and then she starts putting all the pieces together. But then we that, get a, like, um, a break where we don't get to think about it for a little while because action starts happening again, and I like that. Well, she thinks about it for a little bit. Um, she, we, like, she doesn't say the implication. She's just like, I guess I didn't know anything about his family, but I didn't know that his, um, his, the exact line is, for example, I didn't know he referred to his son as Junior. Often used as a general nickname for a child, it can every so often mean something much more specific. Which is a weird way to say, yeah. if a if a man calls his son Junior, it's because they have the, the same son, name. they have the same name. I just wish uh, they, it, she it, cut that one sentence, that, that little yeah. bit doesn't need to be there. I wish it went from, I didn't know the names of his ex-wives or anyone who was directly involved with his work with the paranormal, to Alice says... Is does your son share your name? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, cutting the conversation out would be fine. Um. If you and I think leaving, for example, I didn't know you referred to his son as Junior. Yeah. Uh, I think is fine. Just the sentence right after that, I don't like. That's true. Because it's it's too creepy. Thick. Yeah. It's very. It's a very like. La la la, fancy. I'm writing fancy because I'm writing a story for the internet. No, like, just, you can be direct. You don't have to come up with a coy way to say, uh, listen, I know sometimes people just call kids that, but usually it means that when a dad says it, it's because the kid has the same name as him. Yeah. You don't have to come up with, like, a, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy way of saying Hitchhiker, it. get it, get it, get it, hey, get it. Hey, whoops, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, get it. Um, um, so then a bunch of deer run at the cars, like a bunch of deer, like many deer, like minutes and minutes worth of deer. Um, yeah, a herd of deer is like running over their But they cars. call it a herd of deer, and it seems as if it's like hundreds on hundreds on hundreds of deer, and that's not how deer work. Um, like waves of deer? What? Like waves of deer. Yeah, amber waves of deer. Um, <laughs> I just wish they made it clear that it's not just a herd of deer. Like Rob literally says it was just a herd of deer, but that's so many deer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's very strange in general, this whole section. Um, I was kind of losing it. I was just like out of the story once we got back into the road trip, I was like, I don't care about it anymore. We already had a pretty good resolution yeah. to uh, two characters' stories, mm-hmm. so now we still have to do this spooky road trip. Okay, yeah, deers, that's not as scary as someone turning into dust because they've become obsessed with the idea of this town they've never been to before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, I but think that the story doesn't, so... <laughs> that's true um this part to me got convoluted um there are good ideas within it but 
too many ideas. Um, and I think because the author was trying to leave some things up to our interpretation, it ends up just kind of getting blurry. Like, yeah. the car's stopped, Blue Jay's car is basically destroyed, and then my animal, a creature, shows up. Um, <laughs> She says, uh, sorry, it's written, the beam instantly illuminates the light frame of a thin, almost emaciated child. It's barely over a year old, but it's walking around. Is that how kids work? Yeah, well, hold on. What age do kids walk? I, I think that's about right. Really? Yeah, what age do kids? I think they can walk about a year. Okay. Uh, they take their first steps between 9 and 12 months Weird. and are walking well by the time they're 14 or 15 months old. All right, well... That shows how much I know about kids, which is none. Um, yeah, so it takes uh, roughly a like between a year and a year and a half they would be walking. Okay, that sounds fine. Um, but then I mean, I don't, I don't know that kind of stuff either. Like, when do they start talking and having ideas? Who knows? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Um, the scientists have yet to discover how kids work. Um, That's a fact. So then um, they shine the light on this kid and it starts aging at every point where the light is, um, which is weird. I think it's sort of an interesting idea, but I don't understand how it fits into the story. Um, so then they start to run. Um, Blue Jay runs towards the car across the, um, the what's that called? headlights so that they don't get um in the dark and then um the kid creature destroys the car blue jay's car um so now there's only one car left then the kid runs over to blue jay grabs her foot and takes her away into the forest um yeah yeah it's i don't like kid monsters um so i think the biggest problem with this particular kid monster is what kid monster is it supposed to be? Is it the unborn baby? Because Marjorie ripped it out in the, like, netherworld. It wouldn't be over a year old if that were true. Right. I think that it's just a spooky thing. Yeah. Um, I think some of the stuff means stuff, but I don't think jubilation really means anything. I don't think that the uh, baby monster means anything. Sure, but uh, this wintery, is like a- Wintery Bay seems like it might mean something, but I, I don't think that means anything either. <laughs> yeah, me either. That's fine. Um, so then Rob tries to kill the kid monster, but he can't because it's a kid. And then it takes Blue Jay away, and Rob follows into the woods. Um, then... Boy, there's a lot happening right now. This is what I'm saying. It's just like a lot in a very short period of time. Um, yeah, um... Does Blue Jay have the gun? Yeah. No, not yet. Rob comes back and he's got her like hanging on his shoulder because she has a limp now. She's got an issue um, with her foot, and then turns out that's not true. And then she takes the rifle from Rob and aims it at him because she's mad that he shot a child. What? Like what? Yeah. It was an aging, a rapidly aging child monster. Like, yeah. I understand that you don't like. I think the point the author is trying to make is she thinks that somebody who wasn't complicit in this plan has finally been hurt by it, and she can't stand for that. But it was a rapidly aging child monster. What? Yeah, it says, why are you, she, she says, um, it tore at my, it broke the skin. How, why are you doing this? She still seems to think that all of this is a show that Rob is putting on to trick her, mm-hmm. which is pretty wild. Mm, um, yeah. That she, she's got the rifle at this point and she's standing up. Um, and Rob says to her, 
okay, I'll I'll take you home. It'll be fine. And she says, I don't believe you, and shoots Rob uh, right in the shoulder. Yeah, what? Um, like, what? just take the car. What do you, Why do like, you have to shoot him? Yeah, unnecessary. Plus, you think that there's blanks in the rifle? Yeah. Well, not anymore, because Rob used it to shoot that monster. Well, but he used it to shoot the other guy before, too, and she was like, oh, well, it was so, just a squib. I guess this is her being like, oh, that means he shot that other guy, too. I see. Which a- adds to her being like, oh, no, this is too much. Sure. Um, or, or she was just like, he loaded blanks for this one, loaded real bullets in uh, later. Uh, we never find out. Mm-hmm. Ooh, excuse me, I'm getting tired from how long this story and episode <laughs> is. I understand. Uh, this, this makes sense, what you've said. Yeah. Uh, we're close to the end. Blue Jay is, like, threatening them with his big gun. Um, mm-hmm. She's like, you're all in it together. And they're all like, Blue Jay, come on. This is obviously not a trick. What are you talking about? Um, and then it's... I don't understand. Like, what? where, what, where does Lilith go? Oh, she... What th- happens? She, she theoretically goes the opposite way of protagonist and protagonist falls over this big cliff where the deer were coming from backwards and she shows blue jay that she still has the car key okay it's just really weird yeah I agree. um like i didn't understand what was happening or who was doing what except the blue jay was yelling at everyone yeah that's what i um, meant by like it's just too much and too little time too many details too confusing that's the other thing is all none of this is outside the bounds of a reasonable NPR yeah. episode at this point. <laughs> um, sh- she's not getting all of this on mic. Um, she's not writing all of these in-between parts. Uh, she laughs a sarcastic, ugly chuckle, holding the rifle tight against her. You- no, you're not writing that for your radio show. That's I know true. you're not. I step backwards, allowing gravity to carry me over the threshold of the steep, dark slope. Like, what do you saying well but what is this that you're doing like these logs of this trip read like a novel and that's weird yeah i mean what you and i know in the real world is that these were written at different times and so i think it just sort of like the actual poster lost the thread after a while like forgot that that was the thing that they were doing yeah um it just like it would work so much better without the frame narrative. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, which is part of why adaptation, I think, would be very good for it. Because I like, agree. you don't have to have the conceit of, well, it's the radio show that this NPR late. No, you don't have to do that. It just happened. Here's a thing that happened once. Um, yeah. So she's fallen off the cliff now, and Blue Jay is shining a light down into the like chasm to try and find her. <sighs> There's still three goddamn parts left of this story somehow. Yeah, but I'm going very fast. Um, okay. So it's basically Blue Jay's looking for her, and she doesn't want to be found. But then she runs to the car to try and get to Lilith and talks over the radio. And it turns out that Blue Jay actually has Lilith. And um, Alice figures that out. And Blue Jay's like, you have to give me the car keys or else I'm going to shoot her in the head. So come find me. Here's where I am. And she goes to find her. And basically, while Blue Jay has the gun to Lilith's head, Alice throws the bag at her um, that theoretically contains the car keys. Um, And then Blue Jay hits Lilith over the head because she tries to escape with the gun and kills her. 
and then Blue Jay starts running away, and suddenly we hear a phone ring, and Blue Jay explodes into creepy pasta goo, um, because the C4 was in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very stupid. Yeah, too much. Um, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> so how far did we get? Because what is this voice? Uh, there's a voice that calls out to her at some point. Yeah, it it's been Alice. calling out to her randomly throughout the story, and it just says, like, you're good at doing this, but it's a long journey or something like that. I don't really remember. Um... Okay, so we get Lilith's VO, Blue Jay's VO, Blue Jay being like, give me the keys, and then, yeah, Blue Jay gets exploded by C4, which, Jesus Christ, what? Come on. <laughs> um, that stuff doesn't disintegrate a person. Um, she would just be, like, in a bunch of parts on the road, and it would be really upsetting to look at in addition to all the other stuff that you've seen on this bad road trip. Yeah. Um, so then... It's, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, it's okay. Oh, uh, Alice also lost her arm somehow. She fell on it real bad and cut it off or something. I don't know. I missed that too. But she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't have an arm, which is really important because then suddenly she sees like another uh, like TV static creature, um, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I totally forgot. Uh, Rob saw a creepy TV static creature, except it was missing an arm when he saw it, and this one isn't missing an arm." So I think what we're supposed to get from that is that this is like a place out of time and she's yeah. looking at Rob and Rob's looking at her, but it's young Rob and her now. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's, uh, you know, just a little strange is yeah. all. It's just too, so, too many ideas in one story. Like some of these need to be taken out and go to a different story is what I feel. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, it, 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 yeah, the, this time travel part is just like, that's too much. Um, I like the use of that sort of thing sometimes, but you have to use it sparingly. Um, yeah. I don't think this author uses it sparingly. That's <laughs> true. He's like, oh, this is the whole reason for why we went here, because Rob saw me in the forest one time, and now I saw him, and it's like, we are forcing each other to be in here and it's like okay but what it's a bit much i mean mostly just because we know that the road is like uh, it, it feels to me as if it would be very easy to say like okay well you know blah blah science fiction you've slipped into a different dimension when you go through this tunnel and so it's a different version of this world that doesn't have anything to do with this world but then to be like yeah. oh well now it's a place out of time and there you go seeing through time isn't that crazy don't like that yeah um but i her arm got amputated i guess because she wakes up and she just has a stump yeah and then she really she's like rob i was the guy uh, the forest one it was me um <laughs> it me forced and forth. she then she finally confronts him. She says, I, I got the C4 from your son's car. And then um, this is her confronting him to be like, here's what happened. Yeah. So these were um, explosive charges for demolition, because uh, Bobby, as Rob calls him, was uh, uh, some kind of contractor. Um, I don't know if they use C4 for that, but whatever. It doesn't so, matter. We can't. We, we just saw a place out of time. We can't get into the details of who uses C4 and who doesn't. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, Bobby was into cryptids and stuff like that, and then he calls and he's like, I found this, uh, left-right game. So they go, uh, he goes to Phoenix, they meet in Phoenix, and they do it. Um, they, they go through the tunnel, and that's when they know it's real, because Bobby knows that that part of the road didn't have a tunnel. Um, we learn about Bobby's wife, Marjorie, um... So it's they they chart the road, and him and Marjorie, char- Bobby and Marjorie, are charting the road. Um, and then uh, the uh, he doesn't hear from Bobby for a while, and then he gets a call saying that he was very badly injured and Marjorie was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had also been and- pregnant when they went on this big trip to finish charting the road. Yeah, um, it, it's, yeah, they, they wanted to, like, get farther than they'd ever gotten because they knew they wouldn't be able to travel after Marjorie had the baby. Yeah. Um, and then the road so, at, at her up, and now she's the crazy gray woman that we saw in the 34th turn. Yeah, and we never really know, uh, just, you know, Marjorie didn't want to turn back, but uh, Bobby never tells anyone why. We never figure out what happened to Marjorie, really. Um, I mean, we'll except, find her again. We'll see two more whole Marjories. Yeah, like we see, like the the 34th turn Marjorie is not Marjorie. It's mm-hmm. something else echoing her, but like he he never figures out what happened to her, really. Yeah. Um, and of course that means we never found out what happened to her. Yes. Um, and then Bobby's and, like, we can't let anybody else go in the road ever again. Exactly. Bobby was um, Rob went in to go uh, see Bobby and uh, Bobby was going in to blow up the tunnel so that nobody could go through to this road ever again and so Rob ran him off the road because this place is more important than personal feelings towards it because it's like another dimension and you know he's right um yeah but it still sucks that he had to do that um and then he he just the reason he brought all these other people here because he didn't want it to just have it die have the secret die with him mm-hmm. um and so I met someone in the forest last night. A figure like the one you saw in Japan looked like static you see on a TV screen. I think it was you, Rob. I thought that was just her seeing Rob when she when he came and found her. Oh, no. No, that's what I was explaining when I was like, it's a place out of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a little weird. Um, oh, I guess she must have, like, lo- like, it was not an amputation. Like, she must have lost her arm, and that's when... She saw him as static, and he saw her as static on the other side of the time hole. Yeah. But it's very... Um, I wish it was something, it's something like, like, oh, well, here's this like very strange hole, and like it's a tunnel in the mountain, and I'm looking through it, and I see now this staticky figure, and then they use this hole to get back to their real world or something like that. Like, it's established that this is the other tunnel, like the other side of the road, basically, and that's yeah. the end of it. If you want that to be part of your story, that's the end of it. 
or be more clear about why Alice is missing her arm. Yeah, um, that seems important. Was it the expl- was it the explosion? Maybe yeah. like do we just literally get nothing about that? I oh. thought maybe Rob had amputated it because of her injuries, but no, that's not the case. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> I also didn't um, understand. They they end up in some kind of city, and it's just them. And there's people around who are basically zombies, and the zombies are going to get them. Well, because um, they're so attracted like, to sound? Because they don't have yeah. sound? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool idea. It belongs in a different story. Yeah. But yeah, this seems to be a city without sound, and so whenever anything makes a sound, they go to it. Um, this story was probably posted after... No, this was not posted after uh, A Quiet Place came out. That's true. So, it can't, it can't be a ripoff. I forgot. 2018 has been so long that A Quiet Place, that movie which came out at least three decades ago, uh, came out actually this year. <laughs> That's true. Um, Black Panther came out this year. Uh, well, well, by the time the people are listening to this, it's February 2019, so those things are no longer true. Fine. This it's is probably the last one I'm recording in 2018. That's true. Um, December 28th, 2018. I probably won't get to record again unless I record with one of my roommates on um, New Year's Eve, but that's unlikely. Wow. Um, I hate reading, so I don't want to read fair. any more of these I understand. stories. This one was yeah. very long. Uh, well, I listened to it, and it was still too long. <laughs> um, it six hours. Like, come on. Um, so Rob goes in. He's like, "I'm gonna make an explosion in a different place so that you can escape." So he does it. And they um, say goodbye, and it is kind of sad. I do kind of yeah. feel sad about it. He gives her two, I'm assuming, um, a leaves. Two what? A blue jar, a, a, a leave pills. Oh. <laughs> he gives her two blue pills. And then she falls asleep. A blue jar of tablets. It, it's literally, like, he just, instead of just giving her the jar, he just gives her two pills. And, um. By jar, I think you mean bottle. What? It says a blue jar of tablets. Blue jar of uh, tablets. I think a plastic plastic jar is fine. Uh, oh, no. What? But I guess this is before they separate. Um, so it's fine that he didn't give her the whole jar of pills. Um, so he, while she's sleeping, he leaves and goes and sets up the explosion on a different roof. Um, so she goes, the explosion happens, we don't know... If, um, we don't know if Rob dies or survives. Yeah, we're just, um, I think, supposed to assume that he's dead, though. He's, he's yeah. like, if I survive, I'll call you, and if I don't, just assume I'm survived. Don't worry about it. Yep. Uh, and then there's a big, longer epilogue here, or preface here in the, the sort of epilogue. Yeah. Um, because the reason I said epilogue and got confused is because... The word prologue and epilogue appear in the uh, author's intro here. <laughs> um, so he addresses some of the questions commenters have had, and he is going to go play the left-right game. And he says that he sees uh, an older guy after he starts playing the game, and he's like, oh, well, that's probably Rob, basically. Um, and he's like, I wonder if he can help me. And that's all we ever hear from the metatextual narrator, OP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it was, 
Um, there's like a play here. Um, he's trying to retrace the steps, not realizing that because he is turning left and then right and then left and then right, even though he's going the opposite direction, he has started playing the game, Yeah, which is interesting. I really like that. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I thought that was a fun trick. Um, so he... Uh, does he go through? Do we find out if he goes no. through the uh, tunnel? He sees no. the tunnel, and he sees Rob just outside the tunnel, and he is like, oh, we'll yeah. ask him if he can help me. Um, and then we get this final left-right game log from Alice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she talks about receiving the nine-page packet, reading it on her lunch break having other co-workers read it to be like, ha ha ha, look at this wild story. Um, and then it turns out that it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, then it goes into a very weird segment that would work better, I think, visually. Yeah, maybe. I don't the know. Mo- I just oh. think it's a lot. It's like, basically, the world is falling apart. Like, she's like, oh... Yeah, the moon has cracked like old porcelain. And then she says that she sees the moon twice a day, and she's like, oh, that's weird. Um, And then it's going in both directions around her, and she's driving through water, and it's not a problem at all. Um, Yeah, the reason... She discovers that the reason she sees the moon above and below her is because she's driving over a perfectly still lake. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, you know, cool, I guess. I just don't understand what it has to do with the left-right game. Yeah, why is it happening? I thought, How do you know when to make the left road. and right turns? Yeah, or are you just exactly. not turning anymore? How do you know when to turn if you're just on a lake that doesn't really have turns on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then so she, she gets to the edge of the lake and she sees a person hand reaching out of the water and she's like, oh, yeah, that's Marjorie. And it is... Um, because she's like, oh, this is the same, basically the same person that I saw on the 34th turn. Um, it says she's been exsanguinated, which is weird. What? How? Drained of blood. Yeah, but how? What drained her blood out? It doesn't just... The lake, I guess. How? Water doesn't suck your blood it said, out. It said the lake would drink the wound clean. I know, but... All right. She, she's the probably moon, not the fully moon fell apart. I shouldn't be asking about physics. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm. I took it to. I, I. I take it to mean that she's just. You know, she looks drained of blood a little bit. Not like sucked out like a vampire. Where uh, as soon as you let let go of the puncture wounds, she's gonna fill with air or whatever. Just like, you know, dead bodies. The the blood at very least sinks to the bottom of the body. Hold like it, on. It, what? If, you f- if you flip a corpse over, it looks all. If you flip a corpse over, it looks all bruised because the blood settles on the back um, because gravity takes over when your blood stops pumping. Sure, so then why wouldn't she look like that? It says... She does. She's, she's seeing her from the front. It says, it's clear that Marjorie has been exsanguinated, so completely in fact that the only evidence blood ever flowed through her veins is a large dark stain across her shredded blouse. She's making it clear to us that there mm. is no blood inside of this person. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe the blood just fell out. Oh, because she was in the lake. Oops, lost the blood. Uh-oh. Sorry. 
uh, just I don't know. a lake person now all, full of water. All, all her blood fell out. I don't know. It's a dumb. It's a dumb thing. Uh, then she meets God or the devil. No, uh, no, unclear. no. She buries Marjorie. Yeah, right. She buries like, Marjorie. She's like, "Hey, Marjorie, Bobby never stopped looking for you." And like, what? Why? Alice says, "I cool. saw him walking on the road." Who was that? God, who knows? <laughs> it's it's so much. Yeah. Just, like, the story is so good until the Bonnie and Clyde thing, and then after that, it just, like, completely Oh, you know what? Sorry. She saw Bobby earlier in the story. We didn't say. When? Um, She saw someone... She saw... She sees a guy with a smashed-in face who looks vaguely like Rob. When? And uh, I don't remember when. Sometime after she sees the crashed car. Um, I think this is maybe... We mentioned that there was some point where a monster was following them, oh, uh, and that's when they yeah. missed the turn. Right before even Lilith died? I think that was... Died. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they missed the turn because they saw Rob and were like, that's a monster. Mm, okay, I didn't him. put that together. All right, uh, and then after Bobby, after rather. she says, like, oh, hey, it's fine, um, you and Bobby are going to be all goodsies, then this living Marjorie disappears, and then... <laughs> Uh, yeah, now she meets, like, God or the devil or the past or the future or whatever. And she meets some kind of hell man, and well, she says, can I get an interview? Which is cute. Yeah, I, I do. I did enjoy that. Um, she calls it a bristling maelstrom of light hanging in the air, um, which is kind of interesting because it sort of reminds me of the TV static, um, and I'm not sure if it's supposed mm. to be a callback, but it feels like the same description. Um, I think it's supposed to be an angel, like, as described in the Bible. I guess. Because its transient limbs are strobing with chaotic incandescence. Yeah, it's just a weird ball of light. Mm -hmm. It's a light ball. Um, And Alice is Um, like, what happened to Marjorie? And the hell light is like, oh, she saw the future. Um, And it says, she dreamed of untold frontiers. She saw a lone woman walking them. And then Alice is like, oh, it's not Marjorie, it's me. And the voice is like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, totally. And she's like, what are you talking about? And the voice is like, oh, blah, 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 metaphorical garbage. I don't know, nothing means anything, etc. And Alice is justifiably pretty mad that it killed all her friends for what seems like basically no reason other than that she's supposed to be on the road for eternity. Um... And then yeah, it's it's it, uh, she's like why like why did you mess up all these people's lives to get me to play the left right game? And he's like, oh, because you got the farthest in it. You're pretty good at it. So <laughs> it says cool. you're traveling the aberrant strand, a singularly stable flaw in the fabric of reality. It carries you farther from the world than you will know, and you'll be freed from the influence of the old laws. Huh? What? Like, is it basically Um, saying that she, like, will now go back in time and do stuff that's very important, and that's why? After everything, uh, then why didn't you just bring me here, she asks, and the voice says events transpired as they needed to. Uh, That tells me that the voice is probably God, right? I guess so. I think it sort of has to be. The Lord works in mysterious ways kind of thing. Yeah, it says, Um, I've watched you struggle, I watched you fight to make your way here. You have a choice, but you've already made it. Um, and that sort of, I agree, feels like this is predestined and this is just sort of the way it is. Um, I do like this next part. Me too. My actions were guided by a higher standard of knowledge. Your protests are predicated on false understanding. 
you're saying I don't understand death, you don't. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. That is, like, absolutely, none of us do. Yeah. That's the thing about people. Um, and it's it's good also that that sort of is what makes her be like, okay, yeah, I see your point. Um, and then she's like, do I get to say goodbye, like, meaning to her the rest of her life? Um, and then she says, she gets her laptop and it's booting up seemingly of its own accord. You know, that's like a very hyper-realistic blood sort of thing. Um, and she says, how long do I have? The voice says, long enough. Alice says, I'm still not certain I trust you. And the voice says, I remember. Which is interesting because it, I think, is supposed to tie into the theory that, like, this is cyclic. Like, now she goes back into the past and makes important things happen in the world, and then she has to do this whole thing again because she was in the past. And the voice, or God, or whatever, is like, we've already done this. Yeah, it's unclear. Mm -hmm. um, I wish that the story hadn't gotten so far away from the original conceit. You make a left turn, and yeah. then you make a right turn. Me too. I like some of this stuff and this these musings on the nature of life. But it belongs in a different story written by the author. Exactly. It, this end part does not read like a chapter of the story we're presented with in the first part. <laughs> I think it um, feels like three stories. The first story ends after Bonnie and Clyde disappear. The second story ends after uh, Rob dies. And the third story is this part. Yeah, it's this weird epilogue that has nothing to do with anything else, but it's, like, well-written and interesting. Um, I agree. And she says... It's just... I mean, at the end, I understand the author tries to get back to it. Alice says, I'm going to take a drive, take a left, and the next possible right, and the left, I'll repeat it ad infinitum until I'm somewhere new. Um, and I understand that it, that's supposed to go back to it, but it's like, but it's not going to eat you then. Why did it eat your friends? Why did it eat them? Yeah. Like, I just, I'm not quite there on the tie between. It, it almost seems like the author is trying to inject meaning where there is none. Yeah. About the road being a metaphor for life, but I don't want to give them that much credit. Well, I, I don't, don't think know. They er I don't think they earned that generous of an interpretation, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah, I understand. The My biggest problem is that that point, the point you're making now, is raised in the comments a lot. And so it sort of feels like one of these cases where the author was like, mm, good idea. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Um, mm. Because the people are like, oh, I understand. So... It's supposed to be like, well, the road is like being in purgatory, right? You pass through the tunnel, you die. Then you're in purgatory, you're on the road, and you go to either wherever the end of the road is, or you go to Wintery Bay, and those are the two options. And some people just never get to either. And like, okay, sure, I get it. But the audience said that. You didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, it's very similar to... Um... Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Where it's very clear at some point Scott Cawthon was just reading the subreddit and watching the game theory videos and was like, oh, these are good ideas. Uh, and then put them all into those novels that he wrote. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, for, okay. for the audience, um, that is how uh, our uh, OP gets a hold of the story is she's like, oh... This is the person I'm sending it to. I won't send it to my parents. I'm going to send it to you, OP. Um, and that's yep. the end. Um, and then <laughs> the people in the comments, the top comment, I, which I agree with, is, I don't know what kind of ending I was expecting, but it wasn't that. Um, 
Yeah. And then the people recommend to them, mm, I dared my best friend to ruin my life. <sighs> and then someone recommends Pen Pal, which is like, okay, sure. Yeah, Pen Pal's yeah. fine. This episode will probably be longer than the Dare My Best Friend to Ruin My Life one. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, let's get into the spooky part. Yeah. Spookiest part. I think we disagree on this, which is good, but I think the spookiest part is when Eve and Apollo are lost to the road when it eats them up. Because when I was reading that entire part of the story, I felt extremely tense. I was like very eagerly reading to the next part, like, oh my god, I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Mm. And I felt like that really had, was supposed to have an impact on what came next, and I was very interested in that. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was the hitchhiker sequence because really? the um, I thought that it was very tense and the narrative trick of having the point of view character go through it first and almost mess up. And then we don't know how everyone else does until later. Mm-hmm. And then even later, we find out that one of them messed up. Yeah. is so, well, two of them messed up. It's like, because Ace also messed up. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, um, I agree. And like it, it's a setup that's excuse me already tense, and it stays tense, and then it gets ah, geez, excuse me, and then it gets more tense as time passes, and that's just very interesting yeah, to me. I agree. Um, to build tension with a scene and then have the implications of that scene build further tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my or. The consequences of that scene, rather, not the implications. I knew even. I put the right word in there myself. Yeah. Um, uh-huh, I figured. <laughs> yeah, my my overall feeling of this story, which I guess counts as a final thought, which is good because it's too long, um, is that I really like a lot of the individual bits. I think there's some really good stuff buried in here, and I think that the author both had a lot of good ideas and is a good writer. I just think that they, maybe it's even because of the way it's written, right? Where they were writing the parts individually, lost the thread so much in that part seven where they get to the woods. Um, I think that if they wrote a different ending for it and they wrote it right there, basically right after they get to the new part of the woods, um, then it would be fine. And then they can post two new stories to no sleep. One where there's a static monster that travels through time and one where God is a staticky light that makes you drive on water. Um, yeah, I wish all that stuff that the voice said was stuff that Alice said as her closing. Yeah. Of like, there's there's so much I don't understand about the nature of life, about death. I've tried so hard to get here. And like, if that had been her being like, now we're in uncharted territory and... Uh, I don't know if this road ever ends, so this is my last message. That would be way more spooky and satisfying than having everyone die, and then she meets God, and then God is like, I picked you because you're pretty cool at this game, (laughs) and that's why you had to do it. So thank you. Uh, Congratulations on winning the game. Now continue driving forever in a way that is probably meant to be meaningful. Yeah, I agree. I I think that that's... I hadn't really thought about transferring these lines to Alice. In my mind, it was just sort of, like, rewritten. But I do like these lines, and I do think that, like, enough credit is given to Alice as, like, a smart person and, like, a person who understands what's going on that that would be fine to do. And if you just chopped that in right after they get to the forest, it's done. That's the end. Ta-da! Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it, it's just um, it ends up being too much, too long. Yeah, but, and you know, if, very very good bits in there. And if Neon Tempo is listening to this, do all the stuff we said. We said all the right stuff, so do that. And then email the producers of Channel Zero and say, this is the one you're doing next, because I do kind of want to watch it. Oh, well, yeah. Email past guest Nick Antosca, yeah. who is the showrunner of Channel Zero. Good idea. Uh, I think, God, 120 episodes ago at this point, <laughs> he was on episode 53 of the show. Wow. Uh, talking about Channel Zero. So, so long ago. That was just after, just after season one had premiered. Hmm. And now season four is currently airing. Oh, so. what's the fourth one? I mean, Do you know? Um, I don't remember. Let me look it up real quick, because I think it was actually a story I'd heard of. Oh, wow. Um, season four is called The Dream Door, but, I mean, Butcher's Block was based on Search and Rescue Woods, and that was, you know, a real thing. Yeah, um, I'm interested The Dream that. Door is based on Hidden Door, which I, I guess is a, a name of a creepypasta. Um, hmm. What if I search Hidden Door Creepypasta? Yeah, is it going to be a no-sleep story? I already typed those words into my search bar and I'm waiting. I found mm. a hidden door in my cellar and I think I've made a big mistake. That must yeah, be it. Okay, that's the one. Extremely mm. popular. 6,400 6, upvotes. Um, mm. oh, just yeah. a little more than two years old. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, this has gotta be, this has gotta be the one. Oh, it's short, too. Yeah, that's interesting. That's even more interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, the first season um, was based on Candle Cove, which, as you know, is a very short masterpiece. <laughs> um, bless you. Yeah, it is, it, no, that was me scoffing, laughing. <laughs> uh, they, they literally reenact the entire full text of Candle Cove in, like, a two-minute scene yeah. <laughs> in the first episode of the show, Yeah. So, oh, boy. Um, I it's, really, it's, I really, really, really didn't like that first season of Channel Zero. I love Candle Cove. There's a lot of stuff I really did like about yeah. it, but overall, I was like, Ugh. Um, yeah. Butcher's Block was... I didn't watch No End House. I, I heard did. that one was great. Uh, it was great Is until the end, and then I was very annoyed by the way that it ended. But it was very much like this story, in that I watched, I think, like, yeah. eight of the ten episodes rapidly staring at my television in a row, and then was very upset by the last two not providing any closure or interesting things. Uh, I enjoyed Butcher's Block. I haven't watched that But one. it didn't... It was basically meaningless. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't mean anything, mm -hmm. but it was like the imagery was so unnerving. Mm -hmm. um, and it starred. Oh, who's the the lady who stars in it? Um, she's in some other things. Uh, Helpful. She plays Zoe. Hold on. No, she plays Alice. Maybe. Uh, oh, she's the friend from It Follows. Uh, who has the little clamshell phone. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she is one of the... Uh, they <laughs> the character's last name is Woods in this one. Get, you know, <laughs> Boo. Middle name. Search middle name Woods. Search and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it, it's just... Um, the only, literally the only thing they take is someone finding a staircase in the middle of a, a public park in yeah. the woods. And I don't so um, much mind them doing things like that um, and saying, you know, like, that ideas from this story were pulled from X story on Reddit, but I don't think it's correct to say that it's based on it. Um, I, with, yeah. with No End House, I do, because they genuinely do, you know, the first three episodes or so, or they go through all the rooms of the house. It's sort of similar to... Candle Cove as well, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, Candle Cove too, I guess, because they actually do Butcher's Block. I, I'm I'm glad that they said it was based on the story though, okay. because they it was clear that someone on the production team said this is a cool image. I want to mm. use that, and they could have, and they could have gotten away with it, and it wouldn't it have been a legal problem kids. for them. Well, I, yeah, exactly. No, like it wouldn't have been a legal problem for them because the image of stairs in the woods is so vague. Yeah, that's true. But they paid that writer and they got the yeah. rights, so that's nice. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I don't disagree. Um, but I would I would really like to see this this story left right game turned into some sort of like either a reasonable length movie like maybe two hours or a television show with a full series run because I think that Barbara. that would be very enjoyable to watch. Barbara Crampton is in the new season of Channel Zero. That's fun. Who's that? Um, you may know her. Brian Brian Crampton's wife. Nope, that's Cranston. I know that's the joke. Uh, She was uh, in Reanimator and From Beyond and Puppet Master and Castle Freak. Um, and you're next, but that's a more recent one. Mm-hmm. She's like one of those old, extremely B-movie type mm. of Scream Queens. She was in Chopping Mall. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, she's, she's one of those, but then she's made a recent comeback. She was in You're Next and a movie called We Are Still Here that I thought was really fun. Mm. Um, could have been better, but was pretty good. Um, Interesting. actually returned, returned for, uh, a more recent Puppet Master movie called, regrettably titled, Puppet Master The Littlest Reich. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a Puppet Master movie, the 13th Puppet Master movie, oh. and I guess it's about the Puppet Master doing Nazi stuff. Hmm. That sounds bad. Um, yeah, it seems bad. It doesn't, the, the like, blurb on... Wikipedia does not seem to reference any of the Nazi stuff that these monsters do in the movie, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so it would be weird if the movie was just called Puppet Master the Littlest Strike and then it actually has nothing to do with Nazis. Mm-hmm. That would actually, I think, be more upsetting. Anyway, this episode's over now. Yay. This is uh, too long, but, you know, it flew by because it wasn't about that awful, awful story mm-hmm. from before. It's very different in tone, um, which is sort of interesting, because I listened to that episode, because I listened to the show, the I Dare My Best Friend to Ruin My Life episode, and by the end of it, we were both just shouting and going, <laughs> and that was like all of the content. And I was like, oh, I feel bad for the people who have to listen to this. Because we were both just so riled up about how horrible that story was. We were just like, this is awful. The thing they yeah. did, I can't believe it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas we had nothing, but we only had constructive criticism for Neon Tempo yeah. uh, to improve this story. So yeah. take it or leave it if you listened, which, I, again, I recommend that you don't if we cover one of your stories, because uh, it might just make you sad or angry. And also, I don't want to have the responsibility of talking directly to the authors of the stories I'm talking <laughs> about. Um that is my cowardice and my cowardice alone. Anyway, um, Hannah, where can the people reach you in the ways that you would like them to? Only one way. There's only one way I ever want to be contacted again, and that's an email to Hannah at coolmemes.biz. <laughs> it's that's right. I gave Hannah an email address for Christmas, Hannah at coolmemes.biz. Yeah, it's the um, only way you can contact me anymore. I'm going to disappear except for that, so email me there because it's the best present I've ever received. Thank you, Jeff. 
Of course, uh, block all your incoming calls and text messages. <laughs> I will. Have the text message auto-respond. Please email me, <laughs> Hannah at CoolBeamStuffers. Or just send a picture um, of a business card where it just says Hannah and then list that email address. Yep. Uh, you can find me at... I'm, you can If you want to email me, jeff at funtimes.online or jeff at coolmemes.biz. <laughs> you can also go on Mastodon, mastodon.cloud slash at jk. Snapchat or Instagram, I'm jeffjk on both of those. Um, I guess that's all... Oh, patreon.com slash jeffjk, but I think I'm going to get rid of the $10 comic book thing, so you'll get the digital rewards still, but um, I found a home, a new home for my comic books that I no longer wish to own. Hmm. Um, that's nice. So I think that those will go live there. Um, that's uh, that's all we have to say about this one. I guess I should probably find a good line to finish on, unless you have one bookmarked. Nope. I don't know why I didn't do this earlier, and now I'm paging up because I foolishly hit end instead of just page <laughs> down. Oh no. Um, and uh, there we go. And, and from there I'll keep driving, beyond worlds, beyond time, beyond the bounds of my imagining, to a place where the lake runs dry, where the broken moon drifts away and the stars disappear in the rear view, to a place where everything has fallen away and the road is all there is.